This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you! You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 149. Still trying to figure out what time zone I'm actually in because I've watched so much wrestling all around the globe this week. I am Nick Howell. And just like Thanos and Brock Lesnar, I am the inevitable Ian dangerous and welcome to the show everybody we nick we have zero time to waste this week because yeah. this might be one of the most packed shows we've ever had multiple pay-per-views and massive events tournaments and also wwe's main programming heading to SummerSlam. there is just so freaking much to talk about and it's all good stuff and i'm so excited Let's do some housekeeping and get right into it because we've got no time to waste. Yes, absolutely, guys. Come join us over on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Send us a join request. We'll get you right in. Join us here on YouTube live as we are right now every single week. YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell so you get notified anytime we schedule new events. But we are on live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on YouTube. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. And if you love our show and want to support what we do, you can donate right here into the tip jar live on the show. Uh, or you can head over to Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers to get access to show notes, the ability to ask listener questions, Big bonus episodes uh, every single month at the $10 tier and much, much more at the higher tiers at patreon.com slash BWO. Ian, I, I got to tell you, man, I am behind. Full disclosure, I'm behind on the on the G1. I'm hoping we can play catch up today. I, I don't know anybody that lives. <laughs> I don't know anybody that's like fully caught up personally. <laughs> it's, it's like this. I'm constantly behind like, oh, God, I can't yeah. catch up. Oh. Uh, well, not uh, not only the G1, we had the Evolve 10th anniversary show. We had AEW's Fight for the Fallen this last week. I, it, absolutely. I, if you are caught up on everything right now, we had DDT's Peter Pan show. If, you had, if you're caught up on everything this week, then I envy you because it means that you don't do anything but watch wrestling. And that sounds like a lot of fun, but I actually have to pay for this apartment that I'm in. Right. So I can't do that. But I'm, I'm caught up on as much as I possibly could be, and I'm ready to run it all down for this show. But that being said, Nick, let's not waste any more time, and let's talk about the big news. 
Well, a little bit of big news this week, nothing crazy, except Raw is doing a massive, massive reunion episode announced for Monday Night Raw next week. Like, where yeah. did this come from? Where did this come from? Why did it come from where? And what's, I mean, I know they're trying to goose ratings for one week, but I'm not sure if I see the potential here other than just a massive nostalgia special trying to get lapsed fans back to the show to enjoy the current product. Um, they've got a hell of a list of names for this special right now. I'll run down the list that I have in front of me. Uh, this may, they, they're updating it by the hour, so who knows where it's going to be by the time you listen to the show. But as of right now, we've got Mark Henry, Mick Foley, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe, Lillian Garcia, Alundra Blaze, Kelly Kelly, Rikishi, which will be interesting to see if he's got anything to, like, he and the Usos do anything. That would be fun. Uh, Ron Simmons, the godfather I wonder if he's coming back as Godfather or Goodfather. <clears throat> Road Dog is well, that makes sense. Sid, who will probably be <laughs> I don't I don't know. I haven't seen Sid in a while. I don't know how he's looking. That's that could be scary. Austin will be there. Stone Cold Steve Austin was, is going to show up. Sergeant Slaughter, Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Hulk Hogan, Rick Flair, Booker T, X-Pac, Bischoff, which makes sense. Santino Morella, nice to have him back. Devon Dudley, Ted DiBiase, Kurt Angle, Jerry Lawler, Christian. At last, he's on his own. The Boogeyman, Jimmy Hart, The mm. Hurricane, and recently they added Melina and Candice Michelle. So that's a huge list of people. It's a, f- it's a few people. Which, I mean, <laughs> you could just have Hogan, Flair, and Austin, and it would be an absolutely monumental show. And then throw in like Mick Foley and uh, Shawn Michaels just for for giggles and shits, and it would be a huge show. Why have all these people? Why I, I'm trying to figure out beyond just a ratings boost, what the point is in, in having everyone here. Like, how are like they going to take it? Like, are we going to get to enjoy each of these guys over the course well, of the girls for three hours? Like, how They're, how are they going to pull this off? Some people are going to get short shrift, aside from like a really quick nostalgia pop. Uh, you know, it's that's. I, I don't really see the point. Oh. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being you know the Grinch here, but um, I kind of want to see all these people get like a nice segment beyond like Ron Simmons showing up and going damn, damn, and then that's it. Okay, cool. Ron Simmons is it going to be one of those things where they're all him and JBL are sitting around in the back playing poker with Hurricane and other people, and I mean that's it? JBL hasn't been announced, but if they bring JBL back in his acolytes. Uh, gimmick with Ron Simmons, I I will get that. They'll, they'll get me. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they'll get me on this. But at the same time, like eh. the the APA uh, entrance was one of my favorites. I gotta be. We've honest. got stuff to do right now. Yeah, like you got to fix what you got right now. What yeah, like, what summer, are we doing? SummerSlam's coming. This God. many we ain't people, got time for this shit. All right, this you many know. people. <laughs> and how do you make it special? I guess is my question. That's a, that's a good how question. do you make it special? I don't know. So. I don't but know. It, it's it will work. They will get Couldn't ratings. Couldn't they have just this. done this on the network? That would be my question. I wonder. That I, that would be a lot better. I'd put an hour special saying like that's like the Raw reunion hour special. You know, one name that's that's conspicuously absent: Jim Ross, good old Jr., the voice of Raw of the '90s, pretty much where everybody, the era, all these people came from. Exactly where all these people came from. Jr. was the voice, and there's a few people that aren't here that are notably absent. Uh, because they're busy working for other companies right now. Dustin Rhodes. So, <laughs> well, Dustin Rhodes, Jr., um, uh, Mr. Ass, Billy Gunn. So, yeah, in- 
interesting uh, by their absence. But something to keep an eye out for next week. We'll obviously be going over it when it happens, but we wanted to just take an aside and make a note of that, that that's going to happen, and it will probably be a a fairly big deal. It's just I'm, I'm very curious to see how they execute this beyond just a couple of nostalgia pop moments if there's more to it or if it literally is just kind of a masturbatory self-congratulatory wwe thing can can they get away with this and still pull off a week of build uh on used leveraging smackdown can they can they still pull off a week's worth of build towards heading towards SummerSlam, or are we writing this week off because of this reunion and and waiting till next week till we start like formalizing some storylines because that would be nice with only about two weeks before the my question is Will this be like some of the reunion shows they've had in the past where the, all, these superstars, all these superstars get salted into storylines throughout the show? Or will it, will it just be one like 20 to 30 minute segment where you try to cram all these people in and it's a, a, you know, a 30 minute raw, uh, raw reunion segment and then we have two and a half hours of regular raw or you know, with commercials another two hours, whatever, uh, another hour and a half. But the, the point is, is I'm curious how they actually execute this. Next week, because as you said, they've got a pay-per-view to build for, towards the second biggest pay-per-view of their year. So, yeah, we I, I shall heard, see. We've heard a lot of commentary around the other, like AEW, for example, for the lapsed WWE fan. And I'm wondering if WWE is going, oh, really? Hold my beer. Here's everybody you love. Remember all these people, lapsed WWE fans, lapsed Attitude Era fans? Because all of those kind of you know tickle my fancy. Absolutely, as a 90s Attitude Era guy, that, almost that whole yeah. list. Is, is people who I who I miss yeah. and who I loved. So I'm wondering if there's, a, them, if there's a strategy do they, here. Do they get action? Do they like because you know we've seen this before where like Austin and and Foley and and Michaels were at WrestleMania and they buried the League of Nations. Like that's not good for your current talent. So we'll see. We'll see. That being said, Nick, we got a ton of show. We'll check that out next week. But right now we got to check out Monday Night Raw. Well, uh, this got interesting real fast. Right out of the gate, uh, Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar pretty much came out and ran roughshod over this show. Um, and Paul comes out and says, we don't know who is going to be the next challenger for the new uh, three-time Universal Champion Brock Lesnar. So here's uh. what I'm going to do. I'm going to use some of my stroke around these parts now and make a 10-man cross-brand battle royal to determine the number one contender for the Brock's Universal Championship. Uh, what did you think about this as kind of a move to, uh, to determine the number one contender? Well, for, I, I liked it. I like it as in theory as a way to get 10 guys on TV and make them all look pretty good, which they ended up doing in the main event. Um, and especially some of them were kind of strange picks to be in this. You had Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Randy Orton, Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Rey Mysterio, Baron Corbin, Cesaro, and Big E. So this was a bit of like kind of cherry picking some of Paul Heyman's guys and putting them in with other people that have been mainstays of the the main title pictures for the last few months. Sure. So on paper, I thought, okay, that's good. It's going to be a fun kind of crazy battle royal match and the way they executed the actual match was entertaining sure and i liked how paul introduced it by saying doesn't matter who wins you're all brock's bitches <laughs> and riling, riling the crowd up and basically being like that's right brock's champ again f you uh so that all that all worked for me um 
And then, like, you know, even having the little bits backstage where all of the guys that were in the Battle Royal got a, got a thing to say about how they're going to win uh, Shades of Rumble 92. So all of that, fine, fine. I liked it. I thought I didn't think it was bad. I thought there was – we've seen way worse ways to determine a number one contender. Um, but we still ended up I, – I, I thought it was strange from a logic standpoint. And Paul didn't really – Get into this where he he made a point of saying that that uh, Seth Rollins was in their rear view, but yet even as the guy in power, he put him in this ten man match. And right. obviously, we don't want to we don't want to belabor the fact that logic doesn't always factor in in WWE. But Seth did win this match, and so we are getting Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar in a rematch at SummerSlam. Do you rate, like, people have noticed that Brock's belt does not have his plates on the sides. And I speculated after Extreme Rules that he might be a transitional champ. Do you think that lends credence to that? Or do you see Seth not winning at SummerSlam? And then we go back to Brock and Roman Reigns for Hell in a Cell. Uh, I haven't gotten that far yet. Well, here's what I will say about this. (laughs) All right. Um, I did notice that his plates were not on there, which I thought was odd, but it, I didn't lose any sleep over it. I'll put it that way. Um, why blow this capital? Why blow this exercise if you're just going to give it back to Seth? If you're just going to have Seth be the rematch? And also, you know, to, to, to make a further point, like this match was exciting on paper, except for the fact that when you looked at the guys in this match, it was pretty much like you knew it was going to be Seth, it was going to be Roman, or it was going to be Strowman. Yep. That's it. The only guys you thought were going to win this. So everyone else there was just kind of cannon fodder. I actually thought unless, with, unless because they, really they had Strowman come out as the last guy and they opened up with him and Gorilla and kicked his mu- like they do they when yeah. he walks out with his music kicking a throwing a little gorilla, promo, yeah. you know, yada yada get these hands as he walks out. I love when they do that kind of stuff. Uh I actually thought that was kind of a <laughs> that was one that they they're, they're just going to phone it in, foreshadowing, right? Here it is. Braun Strowman is going to be the I, I thought that was the way they would go. Nope. No. Seth. Okay. No, Seth. I, you know, it's Seth. Fine. Do I think he's going to take it right back off of Brock? Nope. I was shocked because I thought, I thought Rain, this is like we've been saying for months. We thought that, you know, they're going to put the belt on Reigns for Fox. I'm now starting to wonder if they're going to wait and put it on him once they're on Fox. And that's the first major move they make on Fox is to have Roman win the belt. But I think it'll I'm be the s- WWE championship, though, not the, not the Universal. Possibly. That's, that's my point. And he's technically Possibly, a SmackDown but, star at this point. But the way that they're establishing Brock is still the final boss. He's the yeah. final boss of WWE. He shows up when he wants to. Um, and, and either even kind of playing to that with his shirts, where he has his Suplex City for the shirt that they're in. I believe it was Long Island where they were on, on Monday. Yeah. And on the back, all it says is, I was there. And that's obviously a joke on Brock showing up to that event. Um, but there's an undercurrent of people know he's a special attraction or the WWE knows he's a special attraction and F you if you have a problem with that. And they're kind of trolling the audience with that. Um, and there's also the, you know, the, the, the double meaning there where it could also be that the person, the, the audience member wearing that shirt who buys that shirt was like, I was there and Brock was there and it was an event. The point is they understand that Brock is still an event TV uh, guy and he's an event pay-per-view guy. Yeah, And so as a result, it would make more sense to have your top star take the belt off of him in front of a bigger audience, potentially at Fox. 
So that I'm still looking at Brock being transitional. I'm just wondering if it's short term and Seth takes it back off him at SummerSlam or if it's longer term and they wait to take it off of him in front of the Fox audience. But I at the end what... of the day, I just want them taking it off of him relatively soon because we definitely don't need another 700-day Brock reign no. or whatever it was. No, that achievement was... unlocked as far as that's concerned. We don't need to do that <laughs> shit again. Um, that box has been checked. Please don't that's... put us through that again for another two years. That's the, that's that achievement that you unlock after grinding for 112 hours. Like what was it? Going to the woods and killing pigs to try and get your XP up. Yeah, it's, so, it's the, the interesting thing. Uh, you, you had a question here in those. Is this better than Roman? And I wanted to talk about that for a second. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm still in that camp. Yeah, it's better than Roman. I still think Roman's going to be the one with the WWE Championship. Uh, I'll, I'll repeat that. But um, one of the, and Andy Jessup, thanks for calling it out in the chat. Uh, reminded me. Um, did you recognize that you did you put two and two together that it was Seth that eliminated Roman in the 10 man battle royal? Mm-hmm. Is there I anything to read into there? Um uh, maybe because he eliminated both Roman and Strowman at the same time. That's right. Uh yeah, cuz Roman was trying to suplex the two him over or something, yeah. Yeah. And I think that made it so it wasn't but that makes it so it's not directly he's taking out Roman. Yeah. He's took out two guys at once. That's right. So yeah, I'm not reading too much into it yet. They also didn't really push anything there. They're like, oh my God, Seth turned on his friend. You know, they did. They didn't. Right. They, if that was going to be an angle, they would have pointed it out more. I think, unless they go back and look at it later and say, well, that's not a bad idea. I think they have it now, so they can have it both ways. Yeah. But I don't think that right now that there's any concept of Seth versus Roman that right. I'm seeing. They had this story written. I mean, it, it, they could have had Roman go after the WWE Championship and then have Brock, or sorry, Brock cash in on Kofi instead and then have Roman go chase the WWE Championship. Seth would have still had it. We still would have had Seth and Becky thing going on on Raw, which is fine. And we'd have had Roman over there with the WWE Championship going into, into Fox this fall. I, it wrote itself. I don't know what is going on and why we insist on putting Bro- this red belt on Brock again. That's what's really got my mind blown. Anyway, well, uh, it's good shit, Nick. Uh, But you know what else is good (laughs) shit? We got to talk about a major debut this week. Finally, after weeks and weeks of brilliant segments, uh, after getting beaten by Samoa Joe, it was an interesting way of of having this begin. So Finn Balor gets beaten by Samoa Joe. He then has a bit of a comeback, kicks Joe out of the ring, and starts celebrating. And all of a sudden, his music goes, the lights go off. And when they come back on, he's being held in a Sister Abigail by Bray Wyatt dressed up as the Fiend. Mm. And uh, Bray gives him that Sister Abigail and then poses in these flashing lights that they have. And yeah, Bray's back. So two things, two questions here. One, what did you think about this debut of the Fiend? And two, do you think we're heading for a thin feud? And if so, what do you think about that? I have a lot to say about this. One, I figured you might. <laughs> Please, sir. I popped hard. I, I did. Uh, as soon as I heard the music go, boom, 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 yeah. And I just went, yeah. <gasps> yes. <laughs> yes, please let it be. And then, you know, the way that they did it with the lights flickering all over the place, and you got little glimpses of the flash of the fiend, almost like a strobe, right? Yeah. And then they finally cut the house lights on, and the place just lost its damn mind. I did too, yes. frankly. Um, so yes, I absolutely love the way this this debut was was handled. Was it not obvious to everyone? Of course, he's going to go up against Finn Balor because Demon. 
Um, well, but it's, hold it's on inevitable. A it's inevitable that we're going to get the fiend on. versus the demon. Okay, hold I, on. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to hold you there. Okay, because I I don't think it's inevitable because rumors are that Finn has asked for some time off. Uh, suspicions are that you know he wants time with his fiance. He may go get married. Um, so that might be why he's dropped why he dropped the belt so suddenly and then lost to Joe, and then he's the victim to Bray Wyatt, and then Bray Bray Wyatt will go on to victimize multiple people on the roster in a, such a way and Finn will be gone for a while when he comes back he might feud with Bray but it might not be Finn and this is actually what I want to posit to you is would you rather that it be Manfin versus Bray Wyatt or Manfin leading to the demon at SummerSlam or Hell in a Cell versus the Fiend which obviously you've got to like both of them have to win that match theoretically although I could see an argument for the demon having his first loss to the Fiend as a way to get the Fiend over? Or would you prefer it that there's no Finn in the picture whatsoever and this is just a way to write Finn off TV? No, I think because we never see the Demon unless it's really like a pay-per-view or a really big match and it's, 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 the story's told that it's a completely different person, right? It's, it's an alter ego of sorts of, of Finn Balor that comes out uh, when he's needed and is able to move a lot faster and has different moveset and all this stuff, right? That, that, st- that lore is, is told to us. I think the best thing they could possibly do is have Bray come out in his Firefly Funhouse gear, Mr. Rogers gear, and have no idea what The Fiend is or even what happened, right? Almost schizophrenic in a sense. Split uh, personality I think he knows. It's, it, I like what they're doing in The Funhouse where it's like he knows, but he doesn't know. Um, you know, where he, he unleashes this thing. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, as opposed to, but at the, but the same time, they're both kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, alter egos. Um, so my question is more that I don't, I don't know. I like, I, would you prefer to have this be against Finn or not against Finn? Who else would you have? A, I think it's, it's, I think it is inevitable. It ends up being demon versus fiend. I think fiend is the f- one that hands the demon his first loss. Uh, uh, do they do that as soon as SummerSlam, though? It, it, maybe that's what they're seems building like towards here. Seems like a quick here. build, right? Seems like, like what they're going to do. We, we got four weeks. Well, let's let's talk about how he looks right now as well, because do you think that this is the kind of gimmick that's... Right now, it's all flashing lights and shadows. Do you think that this is something that's going to last once they have him under bright lights? Like, how is this going to... Do you think that this is going to continue to have its mystique? Because they've been pulling back the layers more and more, you know, at least with... The demon, Finn can look good under under hot lights because he basically he he he's now evolved it to where he has a slightly different move set. He's more aggressive. Mm. People sell for him more. Do you think that the fiend is going to be effective in the same way, or will you know you don't want to have Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger under bright lights in the daytime because they're not as scary. Right. You have them at night in the shadows, hiding in the background. You know, there's a reason that Michael Myers was called the Shape. In the first Halloween, he wasn't even called Michael Myers in the credits. He was called the Shape because shapes are scary. When someone's right up in your face in bright light during the daytime, you can see every you know pore and zit on their skin. Or in his case, you can see like how his mask is tied or the makeup. It's not as scary. So do you think this will hold up? I'll say this: I wish they wouldn't have introduced it as the Fiend. I wish they would have introduced it as Yowie Wowie Bray Wyatt from Firefly Funhouse come out in his sweater vest and you know maybe do a promo with Finn. I, don't, I don't you hear think that's you what they were doing with Firefly friend. Funhouse? I have a special friend. They, uh, maybe they should meet. I think that this is a way to establish. But he can establish that this is that this is the, the threat 
right? This is the threat when he comes out next week or the week after as the Mr. Rogers character. And he says, you know, I, 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 hey, I've got a friend and you're going to meet him soon. We know he means business. Like he, can, he can pop up out of nowhere and Sister Abigail you and you're, yeah, so well. So yeah. we know the threat's there. Um, so, Nick, moving on, let's talk about AJ Styles and Ricochet, who had a feud that lasted for quite a while on this show. We had a couple of different segments with that. We had the Ricochet and the Usos versus the Revival and Bobby Roode in a, I think, two or three segment match. And it was a lot of fun. But then AJ and the Styles, AJ Styles and the crew got involved at one point. The crew, the club got involved at one point. And that started off a trend where they got, they got up in Ricochet's face, caused some, uh, some problems. And later on, when the club and AJ had a, a six-man match against Lucha House Party, Ricochet came out and leveled AJ Styles at one point and got dragged away by the officials. So let's break all this down because that's a lot. Um, first of all, awesome. Ricochet and the Usos versus the Revival and Bobby Roode. Give me more of that. Give me more of, the, of Bobby Roode with the Revival. That's a great pairing. Yeah. He looks like their older brother and it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it really works. Especially now that they're kind of like, you know, dressing up and acting more like dick heels in suits. Right. It all, it all flows together well. And Ricochet works really well with the Usos because he's like their even crazier, higher-flying cousin. Uh, so that was that, all of that gelled really well. Um, I wasn't a fan. I don't know how you felt about Lucha House Party being used against the club like this. It's just more like that's, how they, that's just how they use Lucha House Party. Yeah, I, or have I you don't, just given? Have you just given up at this point? Like whatever. No, yeah, I haven't given what. up. I just, I don't, I don't, I love the Usos and the Revival, and I love the interaction with Ricochet and Bobby Roode and all that being in there. As far as the club goes, they're just not doing any. I mean, they're just wasting time. You know, I mean, just you think so? Yeah, I think they're just. Why involve Lucha House Party at all? You know? Well, that I think was just it was to create a situation where Ricochet could come back out and get his back, and then AJ and Luch and the uh, Good Brothers could look like threats and bullies again. Sure. So we could establish once again that the club are bullies, and Ricochet is the fiery underdog babyface who's not going to take their crap. And we took us two segments and a lot of actually pretty good wrestling to get that story across. Yeah. So I actually thought that this was a, a, an effective, classic way of serving a bunch of masters while still giving us a bunch of good wrestling that didn't really necessarily speak to th- this one storyline. It spoke, spoke to a few different ones. Usos versus Revival is an ongoing storyline. I'm not really sure how Bobby Roode fits in, but I hope he does, um, much like Lucha, Lucha House Party. I don't think they're in this for the long term, but we're, so we're, we're showing uh, Usos Revival continuing, Ricochet and AJ heating up, and the Good Brothers and the club are bullies. We've got three things done with this. Yep. So I thought all that was, and we got good wrestling while we're at it. So I thought all this was, was fine. It was good. I'm looking forward to more AJ and Ricochet. Of course. I think, well, I'm looking I think forward to more Usos and Revival. Let's keep that going. Yep. Please. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think all of this right now, I'm very happy with, with the direction that they're going with these guys. And dear God, they're doing wonderful things with Ricochet. I was so paranoid. I remember when we did a bonus episode saying what their ceilings were for people that were currently in NXT. And Ricochet, we said that we thought Vince wouldn't get him. He was going to be another high flyer, smaller guy, and Vince wouldn't get the appeal. Someone said something to Vince about Ricochet being like Spider-Man or something, like a superhero, because that's how they're positioning him. They're making him look like a scrappy Spider-Man kind of character. I guarantee Vince doesn't even know who the hell Spider-Man is. Or if he does, he's only ever heard of him. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, I'm, but, but the that's thing random. is, is I'm just saying, like, I, I, I think that's how they're positioning him. They're, they're calling him like a real-life superhero. 
they're they're turning the wheel into that pretty hard with Ricochet. Even his theme is very superheroish. Well, it starts good justice and yeah, right. And it's even starting now with that. Like I said, the glass breaking. It's he's got the kapwing. Yeah, Ricochet sound, which is growing on me. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's. I'm still not a fan of it, but it's growing on me. Yeah. But the, th- but the the fact of the matter is something clicked where Vince is, I think, getting something about Ricochet that I was worried he wasn't going to get. And that was his appeal. His, his physicality and his athleticism is engaging. And his earnestness is engaging. And they're allowing him to do all of those things while still looking like a badass who's not a dumb baby face. Right. He doesn't come across as, a, as he doesn't have dumb baby face disease, which so many baby faces in the WWE have. If AJ slaps him, he slaps him right back. If AJ jumps him, he comes back later in the show and jumps AJ. Good stuff. Good, stuff. good stuff. I'm so glad. I'm so glad they're booking him this way. Let's hope it continues. Nick, um, we got to talk about the darkest part of Raw now. Mm-hmm. The low point, mm-hmm. the the fifteen plus minute women's four way match that was announced shortly after Extreme Rules for the number one contendership for Becky's Raw Women's Championship, Natalia versus Carmella versus Naomi versus Alexa Bliss. Uh, you had said that you thought Naomi was going to win this. I had thought Alexa was going to win this because because Alexa. And to very long story short, it actually ended up being Natalia who won this and immediately got into it with Becky and they got physical and all of a sudden went from being friends to calling each other bitch. Okay, fine. <laughs> Can we talk about how awful this match was? It was it was the one of the worst things. It, it was Bailey this is your life bad. And, and like, Long, I don't Long know Island represent. You guys let them know to the point that Alexa Bliss got on Twitter and said just disrespectful in a single tweet. Uh, for for the response that Long look, it's Long Island. They're a little bit rowdy <laughs> in Long Island, right? Hey, hey, hey. you ever hey, been hey, to an Islanders heel. game? They throw shit on the rink. It's not fun. Don't go heel on this show, Nick. Right. Come on. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just saying, listeners uh, from Long Island, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, no, they'll they'll appreciate that. That's the point. <laughs> they're they're proud of that. Anyway, they were letting them know. Absolutely boring. You both suck. Uh, yada yada yada, right? So I I I did not like this at all. I did not, frankly, like any of these four women being lined up potentially to be the number one contender for the raw tag, or raw women's championship. That's the second point I was going to have. Is not only was this just a dull plotting match where everyone it looked like everyone only had four moves in their arsenal, and then everything else was just you know hits in the corner, and it was just it was. There was no excitement in this match. There was no chemistry. There was no pop, um, except for a couple of good spots, individual spots, which are, of course, the signature spots that these women do all the time. Right. I'm looking at Naomi and Carmella in particular. Uh, luckily for Carmella, she got eliminated very quickly. She hit her spots and got eliminated. And she, was, she looked the best out of all of them. Um, and here's the thing. I consider Natalia a very good wrestler from a technical standpoint. She's never been an exciting wrestler. No. She's not exciting. And Naomi is an exciting wrestler, but not if you slow her down. Alexa Bliss is also not an exciting wrestler. She's best when she's doing ring psychology and heel psychology on other people in the match, which is what she was doing a lot in the middle of this where she kept trying to jump in and take the pin away from one of the other women. 
Um, that doesn't make for an exciting match, though. No. When you have an unexciting wrestler working a wrestler who can only work in short bursts and then having heel tactics breaking up the rhythm of the match. That's just a recipe for disaster, and we got a disaster. Um, but this, uh, the point that you just hit on that I want to talk about is Natalia as the challenger for Becky. What's up with the Raw women's division? Why is no one exciting here? Becky's all alone, and, and this is something that, that was pointed out by a few different people online, was that it's kind of been garbage since Ronda left. And I, I didn't think that I, a year ago, I didn't think I'd be saying that. That's kind of wild, uh, that Ronda Rousey was the best thing going in their Raw women's division. Well, hang on. <laughs> Let's not talk too highly here. What, uh, I agree I, that it's gone down a little bit, yes. And that has a lot to do with the fact that you've got two, maybe three women that are capable of of acting at the at the level and performing at the level that Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair and I'll throw Bailey and even Sasha in there, right? But the, but, the four but again, horse women. Okay, fine. But then again, why have I mean that people always complain about Charlotte always coming back for Becky. This is why. This is why, because no one else seems to be on Becky's level at this point. Like, no one is as exciting as Becky on Raw. You've got a few people that you could build up to be that way on SmackDown, and it's, it's, it makes me crazy to think that you had a built-in storyline with Asuka, and you could be having Asuka versus Becky these, the last few months because, you know, Asuka beat Becky at the Royal Rumble. Clean as a whistle. Tapped the man out. Beer at TLC built- in the ladder match for the SmackDown championship. Built in storyline, but yet she's busy in tag team hell over on SmackDown. And we're stuck here saying, oh, uh, Natalia is going to face Becky Lynch. Do you remember how good that match was at Royal Rumble? Mm. I could watch those two wrestle for the the next few months in in a long, long long-term program. But instead we have Natalia. Yay. I I think Becky might be able to pull a good match out of Natalia, but it's just right now... It's going to be not slow a, and prodding and, oh, God. But I think, but again, Natalia's a good technical wrestler. I think Becky might be able sure. to liven her up. Sure. But it's still, it's still, it's, they, there's, there is some serious action they need to take with the women's roster on Monday Night Raw. Either build up some of these women more or poach some from SmackDown or wild card them. I'm extremely right triggered now right now because you brought up Asuka. God almighty. <laughs> like I, that, some of that stuff I, I just have to ex- expose, expunge from my head. But God, ugh, just anyway. Yeah, this yeah. sucked. Period. Hard yeah. stop. And, and, and <laughs> you know, I glanced over the chat here. Uh, DJ Butters brought up a good point. Is that Natalia as the challenger to Becky is also not exciting because Becky just soundly, roundly whooped Lacey Evans out the building. Lacey Evans beat Natalia the last two times they faced each other. So Natalia doesn't, they haven't built up Natalia to feel like a challenger. Yes, oh. she won this battle royale, but, or this, this four-way match, but they've, they've got two weeks to make her feel like a contender. What good a waste for SummerSlam. That. Sorry, Natty. Good, good luck with that. A uh, few more things on Raw, and we got to get rolling here. Uh, we had a Miz TV segment where Dolph Ziggler came out and acted kind of normal and called out Miz for being a company kiss-ass yes-man. He's a merch and man he, now. He, but he, he's kind of right. He kind of is. Without having a, a, heated, a heated feud like he had with Shane, Miz does feel kind of flat, not going to lie, uh, which I hate to say because I, I love me some Miz these days. But, um, but then Ziggler brought up Miz's wife. Miz got nuts, chased him out of the ring, 
Are you in any way excited for yet another chapter in Dolph Ziggler and Miz, or was this the one-off? And just yeah. a way to establish that Miz needs to kind of redo his character a bit. I hear there's a particular heel that has his hands on the Intercontinental Championship right now. If Miz needs something to do, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that champion looks like he's going in a, in a completely different direction, and he's on a different brand, if that even matters anymore. It doesn't. But, yeah, <laughs> I... I, I did. I had. A, I was of two minds about the segment. I wasn't sure what they were trying to say about Miz. It was weird to have Dolph Ziggler acting normal. Uh, yeah. So uh, this is a wait and see for me. But uh, very strange segment. We also we were wondering last week if they were going to do more with Cedric Alexander after he popped up in a mask last last week and helped Roman Reigns beat Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon. Well, he had a rematch of sorts. He had a match with Drew McIntyre this week, and he beat him. He rolled him up. Surprise roll-up. Cedric gets a win over Drew McIntyre. Uh, is this a setup for Drew to absolutely annihilate him next week and call it The Undertaker? Or is this, are they going to start doing some build with Cedric, um, a la Ricochet, make him an underdog babyface? I don't know on? if you can have more than one of those at a time, to be honest with you. And, and, I don't and, know give, if them, WWE, and give them a fair play, right? I don't know if WWE can have more than one of them one of them at a time. That's what I mean. They have a hard time telling them apart. You can do it. You just got to know how to it's separate. It's going to spread too thin if they start doing that with too many people. And right now, Ricochet is top of the line as far as I'm concerned. They don't need to water that down a little bit. Sorry, Cedric. Yeah, I, I agree. But at the same time, I wouldn't be mad at seeing like a longer-term program with him and Drew. But I think that Cedric is going to get absolutely annihilated by Drew next week. And then the Undertaker thing is going to happen. That's my suspicion. Yeah. Drew, uh, got, Zach, Drew got bigger things to do, frankly. I should hope so. I should hope Drew has bigger things to do. I don't, I don't need Drew feuding with Cedric right now no. when he needs to be out there looking like a monster. Right. Uh, we also had Zack Ryder uh, versus Mike Kanellis. Zack Ryder beat the crap out of him. Maria once again talked down to Mike and said she should have wrestled the match. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I honestly like this whole Mike and Maria Kanellis thing. Don't care. The only reason I care about it at all still is because of things that happened on 205 Live which we'll get into later. Yeah. But as far as what is happening with it on Raw, DOA, don't care. Make it go away. Um, the 24-7 title was defended uh, while naked, or supposedly naked. Drake Maverick checked into a hotel trying to consummate his marriage finally, which he still hasn't done, uh, because apparently he's never been alone with his wife. I don't know what's going on here. But uh, they checked into a hotel. Our truth found out what room they were in. He snuck in with the champagne and uh, attacked... Drake Maverick on his wedding bed, rolled him up, and stole the title. Wearing nothing but the 24-7 championship. Yes, and a hidden pair of tidy whities thank God. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I, I was very, I mean, they, if he had, it could have gone balls out <clears throat> and just pixelated the whole thing, you know? <laughs> that would have been, yeah, but that would have taken extra time for production, Nick. Oh. And this didn't seem like they were looking too much into production. Just you mean like they, too, they just kind of threw this together at the last minute? Is is that what you're implying? I know that's that's not what they would do. That's never been WWE's no, MO. Never. This stuff's planned way in advance. Way in advance. And obviously just just choreographed and, and thought about and, and they practiced it a bunch. And it's not <clears throat> When was the last time you checked into a hotel and they were using a laptop? I That being said, nicer hotels, they actually use iPads. Oh. Wait a minute, you've just been staying at some fancy shit. I don't even get to stay at those. I've seen things. I watch TV shows. Okay. <laughs> um, but <laughs> lifestyles, the rich and famous. Um, but the, the thing about this segment was both of these guys, R-Truth and Drake Maverick, are wildly entertaining. And yeah. you can give them just crap 
to do, but it's they turn it into gold. This was fun. This was stupid fun. I had a blast. Yeah, I have no again, critiques like, about this whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I, I thought I, she, I, his wife I, played her part. The, yeah. the 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 referee, I cannot remember his name in particular, that was dressed up as the butler uh, or the uh, the room service room service cart pusher. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Pulls his stuff off, and he all of a sudden he's, he's like, a referee. I know you. Yeah. Oh, Wait, no, you I know referee. who you are. Yep. That's, it's all fun stuff. It's good entertainment, sports yep. entertainment. Um, as much as we wanted it to be like more out there, at least like segments like this are just good, dumb fun. Yeah, give it time. Yeah. We'll get and there. They, and, they're, and they're utilizing both these guys in good ways. Like Drake, yep. is, Drake can be the serious GM over on 205. And he can come over here. And be the goofball we remember from TNA Impact. Yeah, and pee on his pee so. in his pants on the ringside for AOP. Let's yeah. not do that. Maybe, maybe not that. Maybe not that. But having like our truth call him Hornswoggle and stuff like that. Lowercase H. Yes. <laughs> like, good stuff. <laughs> uh, and then finally, Viking Raiders squashed a couple of enhancement guys. Vinny Burr and Jackson Reigns. Viking Raiders still in a holding pattern, squashing dudes uh, as they as they watch their career slip away. Uh, slowly but surely, and people care about them less and less. Long and less. live Everyone, the war machine! Long live the war raiders, Viking war machine. Those were the days. Experience. But Nick, Nick, luckily there's lots of exciting things going on elsewhere in WWE, but to talk about them, we have to go discuss SmackDown Live. Well, SmackDown Live started off with something I don't remember seeing happen on WWE before. We had a town hall, the first ever town hall where all of the superstars got to come out and in an open forum in the great open transparent culture that is wwe have an open conversation with a member of the mcmahon family their commission i guess we're still doing commissioner things shane mcmahon in the ring with all the superstars on the ramp able to give all of their feedback in a town hall Uh, i don't know if he's a commissioner he's just on McMahon, they yeah. kind of established that they're just they're the owners. They're they not do doing the commissioner want. thing anymore. No, that right. that comes and goes. Yeah, <laughs> depending on what they want to do at their whim. Yeah, sure. At least it's not the anonymous raw GM, right? <laughs> at least it's not that. But yeah, this was an interesting segment. It always is kind of weird to see the whole roster lined up on the top of the stage. At least they did a fairly good job of keeping the heels and faces separated a little bit at the top of the stage. Two microphones, a heel microphone and a face microphone. And Shane said, you know, Shane had just kicked KO out of the building. He said, because of your actions at Extreme Rules in the last week, you're not going to be allowed on the show. Get out of here. Go home. Um, And he said, if anyone else has any beef, now's the time to tell me here in front of everybody, air your grievances, but do it respectfully. And, of course, the first person up, Roman Reigns, uh, who says, Shane, no one respects you. You're a jackass, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Shane said, that's that's not respectful at all. I'm going to fine you. Get out of here. And uh, this goes on. So you have the heels come out. It was interesting because he called out every, a lot of the people that Kevin Owens called out last week when he said, you know, you're taking up TV time that could be given to people like Buddy Murphy or Liv Morgan. And we had uh, Apollo Crews and we had all of their reactions. You had Buddy Murphy come out and say, yeah, I appreciate what he was trying to do, but Kevin Owens should keep my name out of his mouth. And everyone booed him. And you had Liv Morgan come out and say, you know, women like Charlotte, Charlotte was in the middle of saying how great Shane was. People like Charlotte are the reason I don't have any opportunities. They had a match later in the evening. And then you had Apollo Crews coming out and saying, I don't like you, Shane. A New Day comes out. And when New Day comes out and starts talking about Shane, he cuts their mic. Fun little segment. Established matches for the rest of the show. Uh, 
which is fun. You know, you had you had Andrade and Apollo get into it. You had Liv and, and Charlotte get into it. All the setup matches for later in the show. Yep. Um, yeah, it was interesting because it was something unique and fresh, and we hadn't really seen it before. And we got to see some of these people act in character that they don't normally get. Right. When was the last time you heard Liv Morgan speak on TV? Right. I was very so, excited about that. Finally. And I, we'll talk about that more when we talk about her and Charlotte's match because interesting things going on with Liv Morgan. Interesting things going on there. But well, hey, real quick, this, real quick. One thing I wanted to say about this. Actually, one other thing. Esme Standing Bear, $5 tip to the tip jar. Thank you very much. Ooh. You rock. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Um, thank you. I wanted to say I, I actually like this kind of stuff. I remember when... You know, good old Commissioner Shane used to do, you know, he'd pull everybody and give them an attaboy backstage, you know, a year ago or something like that. Sure. When it was the land of opportunity and he was Daniel Bryan was the GM and there was this great thing. And now it's completely turned on its head. So I always liked when they would do these kinds of segments, but this was, eh, yeah, I just show me, some, show me some wrestling. Don't waste 30 to 40 minutes of my time. Oh, you didn't like this. No, yeah, I thought this was a nice, no. nice, fresh change up and it allows you to show some character from people that don't often get to show character. You mean so keeping Shane like on TV even more? Shane's going to be on TV. <sighs> get used to it. Get used to it. And, it's, and I like this dynamic more than I like the dynamic on Raw where he's just there. This actually establishes him as an authority figure. And I, I know it's all to just get Kevin Owens over as an anti-authority figure, yeah. which happened at the end of the segment where Kevin Owens came out of the crowd and gave a stunner to Shane after he cut uh, Kofi in the New Day's mic, which, of course, ended up with uh, Dolph Ziggler begging for a rematch from Shane. Shane said, if you can find Kevin Owens, you got that rematch in the main event. We'll work together to take him out. Um, and sure enough, Shane came out with his goon squad of all of the bad guys from SmackDown Live. Uh, and they, Kevin Owens ended up winning the match, giving a stunner to Shane, and then running out. So we've got Kevin Owens basically being kind of a modern twist on the CM Punk, Stone Cold Steve Austin format, uh, anti-authority, guy who speaks truth on the mic till they cut off his mic. Uh, you need to have a Shane McMahon for that to work. So is that, I mean, that's kind of my question is, are you okay with, because Raw, like I said, Raw, I feel like Shane is extraneous. He's extraneous. But here, I feel extraneous. like he's extraneous. <laughs> Hashtag extraneous. There you extraneous go. Extraneous McMahon. But now here, he feels like if you want to have Kevin Owens, because I like what they're doing with Kevin Owens, but it doesn't work without what Shane McMahon is doing. Without the foil, yeah. Right. So you've got to accept having more Shane McMahon on TV and doing segments like this opening town hall and shutting people down and being kind of a dick in order for the Kevin Owens character in his current iteration to work. Yeah. So can you, can you handle that? Can you handle this? Can you handle it, this? It begs the question, if you go back to, the, to 99, does, does Stone Cold work without Mr. McMahon? No. <laughs> That's why we've had some iteration of Mr. McMahon for the 20 years since. Yeah. So yeah, you know? I, I, get, I understand what the point you're making. I get it. I, I do. I just don't know if Shane's the right one to do that. But and and Vince is too far gone at this point to, I don't know. He took a hard uh, headbutt the hard way last summer a year ago from Kevin Owens. They've been trying to do this with KO for some time, uh, and I, I just I don't know if I'm ready to just kind of stamp Stone Cold Kevin Owens on him just quite yet. No, no, he's getting I, there. Uh, I, it's, I again, see it's where it's going. Of it. Yeah, it's shades of it. They're doing a different twist on it, but it's still they're going from the playbook a lot. 
which which has you know advantages and disadvantages. Right. But you know, fine. I think if they're going to do it with somebody, Kevin Owens is a good one to do it with. They were going to do it uh, just after WrestleMania when they had him turn face. They had to have him turn heel again because Daniel Bryan got injured, uh, and they went a bit of a different direction. And now they're like kind of going back to it and finally doing it, which I'm glad they stuck to their guns on it. Normally, I don't like when they kind of you know make people heel face heel face so quickly they bounce it back and forth. This one, I'm like, yeah, no, let's see face Kevin Owens in this role. I, I want to see this. Me too. Um, and he's doing a good job with it. I- I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna go so far as call it face. This is this is like super tweener, Kevin Owens. Sure. Like yeah. man of the people. This is kind of the same thing we saw to Becky Lynch last fall, and kind of what got her over really, yeah, really absolutely. big. And, I like and that she, had, she the, had that moment where Nia gave her the punch, and that really just kind of sealed her yeah. uh, fate going into uh, into 2019. But KO needs something similar, and th- this might this kind of you know the KO pipe bomb thing follow this up with something big at SummerSlam or leading right into SummerSlam, whatever they match him with. If it is Shane, great. Um, he needs that one thing, like I've been saying with Becky all along. She needs that one thing, and it kind of died the first half of this year. But he the, needs a, a 316 moment or a beer truck moment yeah. for this to work. Yep. And totally. I, I agree with you. But um, I, yeah. So I do. I also like the fact that they're, you know, what you said a moment ago about him being kind of a tweener. They're, they're keeping that in kayfabe with the New Day saying, we don't like Kevin Owens because of what he did recently. Um, so at least they're keeping that aspect to his character where he's not a good guy, but he's, he's our bad guy kind well, of thing. One other thing, because I'm taking score. Uh, first thing, uh, Shane sandbagged the hell out of Taker at Extreme Rules, and then he couldn't <laughs> even take the gut kick to set up the stunner. Uh, come on, man! Like this is Nothing this is kind of basic stuff. Nothing will ever be worse than the first stunner McMahon took. Uh, uh, Vince Where McMahon he just took. fell flat. <laughs> he just like slid down his shoulder and then started twitching on the floor. Nothing will ever be worse than that. <laughs> let's be clear. Nothing. Like Shane. As, as bad as some of it was, he did bounce quite nicely afterwards, taking notes from Scott Hall. But, and in the uh, replay, they did edit out the part where he completely botched it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Of course. He's the best in the world, don't you know, Nick? Oh, of course. So uh, so before we move on, real quick, Gerardo Garcia's Shane Shoe Watch. Oh. Apparently, Shane was, Shane was wearing the Air Jordan 1 Retro High BG Black Red White edition of shoes. I have no idea what I just said, but Me either. if you do... And you too know that Shane wears good kicks. So thank you again to Gerardo Garcia, listener Gerardo yes. Garcia, for giving us the the what's up on that. Because if you didn't tell us, I'd have no freaking clue. <laughs> um, we had Alistair Black versus Cesaro part two. And sadly, somewhat short. But once again, damn, Nick, I love watching these two just go at it. Yeah, f- hashtag fight uh, forever as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, he took the uh, black mask this time so hard he spit his mouthpiece out. And that was fantastic. What a great spot. Yeah, oh, smart. That's that's yeah. smart stuff when he ate the black mask. And just spit out the mouth guard. Oh, good stuff. One of, one of the banners for this week in consideration is Alistair Black sitting up with Cesaro laying next to his mouthpiece because we got a really nice frame uh, from the good camera work of that, that mouthpiece. spoil it, dude. I know, I know. Everybody that's tuning in live gets some of these spoilers sometimes. That's why you guys should always come to you. I'm not going to sell it again, sorry. Okay, uh, but so I really have nothing else to say about this except awesome. I hope this continues. Or I hope Alistair Black, you know, they made Alistair Black look good here again. Yeah. Uh, in his victory. It, okay, never mind. I've got actually two things to say about yeah. this. And both of them about bungling Alistair Black. One, how in the freaking world does their production team 
not know how to shoot this guy? How do they consistently screw up his entrance so incredibly badly? Because they don't think they're doing it badly. That's the Whether it's timing, timing his little raising plank or not getting enough uh, ground fog over where he is or having his thing with the candles look just absolutely ridiculous, shooting it terribly, lighting it terribly. How do you consistently make it this incompetent when you're able to pull off Bray Wyatt, his debut really well, um, you know, there's, and there's entrances that they were, that were so epic in NXT, Ricochet, Alistair Black, Bobby Roode, uh, Finn Balor. And they were always epic whenever they came out and you, you looked forward to them. It's what they were. They get to the main roster and their entrances. It's like the main roster guys just do sanity. Holy crap did they screw up Sanity's entrance on the main roster. How in the world are they this incompetent with how to shoot him? They, could, they couldn't even get his, when he did his springboard moonsault into this, this, the cross leg in the middle of the ring at the beginning of this match, the camera guy didn't even know to follow him. Or the director uh, to cut uh, to the other camera. Yeah. What in the world is happening with this? I'm sorry. It's, it's from a production standpoint, as a guy who's worked in TV and film, it makes me... Bananas. No, they need to go it back and watch the NXT stuff. That's, that's what's missing. And, and, and shame on Triple H for not pulling Dunn aside and going, "Hey, dude, you know we kind of nailed this over it's in, the, in the yellow brand." Slap go, go do some research. Teeth out of his face. Go I mean, ask I, those I camera wanna, guys how they did it. He doesn't want to slap him. He doesn't want to break his hand on his gigantic Bucky Beaver teeth. But at the same time, it's 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 it, that is one of the things in WWE of all of the things we complain about. That's the one thing that makes me so like when I see it, I'm just I'm like Jim Cornette. Watching a gay man wrestle. I freak out. Oh. That's a shot at Jim Cornette. Yeah. Hot um, take. Hot take. But uh, so here's the other thing, though. I was thinking about this. Is Vince actually really high on Alistair Black? And he's just, he's, he's doing the same thing. I, I'm thinking back to the John Moxley interviews with Jericho and, and Wade Keller. And how much Vince was personally involved with Moxley's going heel and all of the aspects of it and how he was just kind of overthinking it and involved with it. And he thought that, you know, he thought that the inoculation scene was so good and it was totally going to get him over. And he thought, you know, he's like, oh, it's written so well. I, I suddenly was like, is Vince sitting there looking at these Aleister Black backstage promos in the dark room and thinking this is so brilliantly written and Aleister, to his credit, is delivering it so well. But he thinks that that is actually engaging and appealing and something that's good for his character. Like I, I'm, I'm actually speculating that Vince thought those were amazing because he must have because they're making Alistair look like an absolute beast in these two matches. Yeah. So it's not like they're trying to bury Alistair or actually make him look like a crazy person. I, it, it, am, I, am I off base here or is that might, that might be what's happening? And if so, that, that's hopeful. Because it means that Vince is high on Alistair. Well, nothing gets past Vince, so he has to think it's good. But there's things that he puts, you know, he's more involved in than others. There's things he sure. signs off on, and there's things he's personally involved in. We know that from all the reports backstage. There's, he, only, he only has so much time. This feels like you know? one of his ideas. I mean, short of putting him in a superhero right? costume, right? Right. It does feel like Vince going, this guy is obviously a very hot commodity. What can I do to fix him? I know I'll add some sound effects to his his entrance and I'll, I'll get him to say some crazy stuff about how he wants to fight people, but it ends up just making him sound like a lunatic. Like this, this to me feels like the hands of Vince McMahon all up in Alistair Black's business. And I, none <laughs> of this was necessary want, is I think is I, what you're trying I, to say. 
It's well, of course not. It's complete overkill. And I just I wanted to leave him alone. Yeah. Leave him alone, Vince. Just let him be Alistair. Leave Alistair alone. <laughs> leave my boy alone. Just let him be him. He just wants to be free. Oh God. Uh, I hope you guys that kind of mocked the guy knocking on his door being Cesaro uh, uh, last week got uh, got your comeuppance. Eat your words. Those two boys can go. Ugh. Let them go. Let them fight. I hope we get a good blow-off rubber match at, uh, at SummerSlam out of it. Just let them yeah. go 20 minutes. They'll tear yeah. the damn house down. They'll beat the hell out of each other. I, I want to say, I, I say it was a line that Moxley said. If not, I, I concocted it in my head. Uh, someone said this. I want to say that. If not, then you heard it here first. <laughs> but I feel like some of these people are just so good, they succeed despite Vince. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Vince gives him all this, like Alistair, all this crap, and Alistair's just so good that he makes it, he grabs that brass ring. Like Vince is like, got to grab the brass ring, pal. And by grab the brass ring, I mean, sit in a dark room. Through all the, yeah, make it through all the crap I give you. And have people still like you. Then you grab the brass ring. Go through my trials. <laughs> you know? May the odds be of it in my your hoops. favor. <laughs> I'm going to burn you. And if you can survive being burned, then obviously you're meant to be a superstar. Yeah. I, I don't think that's the case. But okay. I have a, I have a, I've got a gimmick for you, pal. It's called the Red Rooster. It's going to be the best thing ever. <laughs> All right. So speaking of gimmicks and gimmick changes, Liv Morgan, we mentioned she had a, a match with Charlotte. And she actually got to have a match, more or less. It uh, wasn't very long before Charlotte you know, came back and beat Liv. But Liv did get to get some offense in, got to look good, got her spots in. And then tapped out in the figure eight. But then she came down to the announce booth. And the issue that, that Liv had said earlier to, uh, about Charlotte was, Charlotte was you know, kissing Shane's ass. And, and Liv said, is there anything real about you, Charlotte? Uh... And Charlotte, you know, said back, oh, yeah, like your blue tongue is real. Well, after the match, Liv comes over to the announcer booth and just all flustered and angry. She grabs one of their mics off their heads and says into it, that's it. When I come back, I'm going to be real. That was all she said. And she stormed off, which was I I definitely made me kind of sit up and go, what was that? First Mm -hmm. of all, showing some serious emotion. They gave her a big spotlight. Um, which they haven't done at all since the Riot Squad broke up. Um, do you see this as a gimmick change? Are we going to get a gimmick change on Liv Morgan? I hope because so. Because if so, if so, yeah. Yeah. Two but thumbs I, up for me. Uh, I loved this. And if you guys were hanging out in the uh, the thread for SmackDown Live, I was even calling it like, don't be surprised if they let Liv get one over here, if Charlotte puts her over, just to give her that Surprise that win. little goose because Charlotte can take the, can eat the pin and be fine. Still be still be eight time, twenty seven time champion, whatever. Um, but I, I would have loved to have seen Liv pull off a sneaky roll up or something like that here, and just go na 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 na, and you know show that she could do that. I actually like this better. I like that it kind of put it was a, it was an end to whatever Liv has been doing, which is unidentifiable other than the blue tongue, yeah. uh, and then ripping the headset off of taking a taking a page out of Kevin Owens's book, ripping the headset off of Corey Graves' head and saying, when I'm back, hint, hint, wink, wink, I'm going to go get repackaged. I'll be back in a couple of months. Right. Uh, 
Which is not the worst thing to happen. I mean, no. people, some people need repackaging. Rusev is gone. I suspect he's being repackaged yep. because we're not hearing anything, anything about him. He's not like or just showing up Or they're shooting the next season Lagoon. of Total Divas. Who knows? Or that. Or Why that. doesn't Rusev and Lana have a TV show? Uh, they're much more entertaining some, than the Miz and Mrs. They've, they are wild entertaining. <laughs> they've made some salty comments about that. They really should have one. Yeah. Um, that being said, yeah, I'm down for Liv to come back. You know, maybe without the blue tongue because I really am worried about... Anything that you do consistently for that long that's unnatural is going to, like like Ember Moon's Eclipse, that girl is not going to be able to walk by the time she's 40. No, just ask Hogan. That move. Just ask, oh, Hogan, ask Austin. Like he's, Austin well, says falling on your butt will do to your spine the, the over the stunner, course of 20 years. The stunner has ruined his back, and he's like, she's doing it from the top freaking rope. So I think about Liv Morgan's tongue, and I'm like, I know it's a Jolly Rancher. I think it's a Jolly Rancher that's doing it, if I remember correctly from an interview. Um, that can't be good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you do it every night, five nights a week, for years. Like, at what point do you get tongue cancer? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Like, you can't eat that many Jolly Ranchers or have as many Jolly Ranchers as it takes to get your tongue that blue and not have it be detrimental to your health. Maybe that's it's my mom. It's, uh, the mom voice in my head is like, oh, that poor girl with her future tongue cancer. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully comes back with no blue tongue and a gimmick change. I do like Liv Morgan a lot. I could see her doing some big things. And as we said about Monday Night Raw, they need more fresh women in the women's divisions. Yes. That can actually do stuff. Yes. Um, to continue on that thought, Nick, we had a tag match tonight between Mandy Rose and Sonya and Ember Moon and a partner of her choosing. And obviously, we've had Mandy and Sonya bullying Ember over the last few weeks. So Ember came out with Bailey, the SmackDown, the Smackdown Women's Smackdown Champion. Women's Champion. Uh, and this ended up being a pretty quick match because they just destroyed Mandy and Sonya. Yep. And then afterwards, Bailey was asked, you know, who are you going to face now at SummerSlam now that you've disposed of Alexa Bliss? And Bailey said, you know, I need someone who's going to respect the belt as a good wrestler who I've never wrestled before. <gasps> Look who's standing next to me. We're getting Ember Moon versus Bailey at SummerSlam. Thoughts? I'm in. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't what, think What were been- we saying the entire second half of last year? We were saying this about Ruby Riot. We were saying this about Ember Moon. They were in a holding pattern, right? They were, yes. and it's, it's unfortunate that Ruby Riot up. had to go have surgery, shoulder surgery, because I think she would be getting a lot of the treatment that Liv Morgan is getting now. And I think Liv Morgan is getting this because Ruby had to go have surgery. So I think Ember Moon's getting the push, getting the opportunity, and I think Liv Morgan's getting what Ruby was lined up to get. And I'm, we were all but soothsayers uh, for the last year when it, was, when it comes to that, because... We're right. Those two have just been waiting in the wings. Uh, We're not soothsayers, Nick. We're not soothsayers. They just listen. That's right. Thank you, Creative, for for listening to the show. If you're live in the chat right now, say hi. Everybody would like to to tell you something, I'm sure. Hashtag they listen. Yes. (laughs) Hashtag because they listen. Yes. Because they listen. (laughs) Uh, But no, so I'm excited about this because I thought the Ember and Mandy and Sonya feud was fun, but I definitely thought it was a stepping stone to something else. I don't feel like they gave Ember quite enough build here. The audience is still a little bit hit or miss with her. But I think this could be a good showcase for her. I I question the face versus face dynamic here. Yeah. Um, Hopefully they can make that become a little bit more interesting. I'm okay with that, though. I mean, it's... it's, Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
you know, I, I don't put too much credence into that. Every match has to one be a face right. and one be a heel or nothing. Same. Know? Yeah. No, I'm fine but with I, this. I think we'll get a good match out of them. Yeah. So that's the thing I'm most excited about is that I think we'll finally get Bailey in a really good match. And, and Bailey's we'll get, been we'll waiting. We'll get hugs and handshakes and sportsmanship, and you guys know how, how much I love that stuff. So uh, th- that's, this what, will that's be, what you want. This will be a fun match. Or we'll that's just get you. crazy Ember just turning evil, evil on her. We'll see what happens. Which I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be mad at either. Nope. I wouldn't be mad at either. But speaking of people changing up things, we had an announcement all week that Daniel Bryan had a huge career-altering announcement this night on SmackDown Live. And far be it from the WWE to advertise something that wasn't going to happen. But it. But it didn't happen. Uh, Instead, what we got was the new day coming out. And running down Daniel Bryan and Rowan and saying, "We know what your announcement's going to be, and that's what you want to you want to face us again for the tag belts." And fine, we accept. Okay, let's do this. And Daniel Bryan and Rowan came out, and Daniel just couldn't seem to find the words. Almost broke down in tears before walking back to the backstage area. Huh? Three times. Strange. And then to make things even stranger, outcome in order: Samoa Joe, Elias, and Randy Orton. So all say, we don't like you, New Day. And New Day said, well, we don't like you. How about we have a six-man tag match? And Randy Orton said, no, I'm out. And Kofi said, what's the matter, Viper? Feeling a little limp? And Randy said, how dare you talk about my manhood? Grr! And came stalking back the ring. We had a six-man tag match, which was really fun. Bunch to unpack here. Did they shake his hands? Uh, I'd, Not if they're smart. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Unless he's wearing gloves. But, even, um, then, don't, even then, don't trust him. Right. Um, but so a couple things to unpack here. What's going on with Daniel Bryan, number one? Like, what's their ultimate plan here? He said he's, he's, he's feels like he's failed in the tag division. Is he going back to singles competition? And if so, against whom? And then with the sick man tag, you've got three guys who say they want to challenge Kofi for the belt. Joe just lost his match. Elias, come on. And Orton... RKO'd Kofi to win the six-man match. Are we seeing Kofi versus Randy at SummerSlam? And if so, is that a good next chapter in Kofi's title reign? Are, are they putting the belt on Randy again? I, that's, uh, 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 I don't, they you're shouldn't. right. There's a lot to unpack here. I don't know. This is almost a whole episode in itself, this, this match, this setup. One, I want to go back and say... I think the reason they dropped the tag belts off of, of Brian and Rowan is yes, so that Daniel Bryan can go back to top of the card singles action. I think that that is a thing, with Rowan still being his sort of goon henchman in, yeah. in his corner. That's what I think those two are up to. Uh, yeah. As far as the uh, SmackDown tag titles, what happened to the big match we had at Extreme Rules? Where's Heavy Machinery? They looked great. I'm a little yeah, bit out were, of shape. They weren't involved here. They were hiding in the background of the town hall on the heel side for some reason. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, I, like I told you during that, they were just there to kind of fill out the match. Damn I think that they're, they have a big future, but I don't think they're the present right now. The, uh, the third thing I wanted to bring up was um, <clears throat> Rowan Shirtwatch. What? Rowan Shirtwatch. Rowan Shirtwatch. Oh, another uh, one I had not heard of before. Uh, yeah, he stumped me on this too. Yeah. I've heard of them. I've never actually listened to them. Winter Sun. Winter, Winter Sun. Sun. Eh, all right. I need cool. to add them to the list and check them out. I've got to check them out as well. I, at this point, I'm pretty much convinced Rowan does have excellent taste in music. Yes. And T-shirts. Um, yeah. So just to just to put a cap on this segment. Yeah, I agree. Daniel Bryan probably going to go back to being singles wrestler. Not quite sure what's going on there. I'm not quite sure whether 
holding off on it. But Randy Orton, Kofi at SummerSlam, which it seems to be where they're going. Uh, yeah, all in on that. I I'm think okay it's a with smart that. Thing yeah. to do. Well, here's why because they ne- they need to. I want to see another chapter in this. Like this is a this is Randy's the guy who who killed Kofi's push back in the day because of the whole thing that happened where Kofi didn't sit still for the punt and Randy called him stupid and everything that happened there, uh, which I think we all know about. But there's that's uh, having a Kofi redemption angle for all of those years and the history between those guys. I'd like to see that. I think that could be a good feud. Yeah. So yeah, it, and and Randy's back if he's invested, as we always say. Randy's invested, it'll probably be pretty good. So I think that's a good idea. Um, not such a good idea. Kabuki Warriors, speaking of not good ideas, uh, they had a match. They finally had their championship match against the Iconics. Long story short, the Iconics slipped out of the ring, got the 10 count so that they lost the match but kept their titles. So uh, this, uh, to me, this looks like they're just going to have to, the Kabuki Warriors are going to keep having to try and Nail down the Iconics till they get them in like a no DQ match or something uh, at SummerSlam or Hell in a Cell. Who knows? Um, it's It sucks, Nick, because I love the Iconics as a tag team. I love the Kabuki Warriors as individual wrestlers. I could give two craps about this feud. Yeah, me too. And I think it's because I'm salty about the whole Asuka and Kyrie thing. And... This is just that's not engaging to me for some reason. Kyrie should have never come up. She's the one that should be doing the stuff with Io Shirai on NXT instead of Candice. Uh, that launches them into a feud. Shayna can continue. Maybe that circles the NXT Women's Championship, and all of this is fine. The Iconics can be just those dastardly heels that always slip away uh, as the champions. Fine. I, I I'm all in on that. I, I picked them to win at Mania. I love them. I agree with you completely. The thing that's weird here is the fact that um, Kyrie Sane is up on the main roster and Asuka is getting thrown into a tag team because Japanese. <sighs> it just shows like this sheer lack of understanding of what to do with the right talent. Come on, creative. You've yeah, got this. I, this writes itself. It should, but unfortunately, we're, we're getting this. And I, you know, I don't want to be too negative. I want to think about how they can actually make this work or make this engaging and i think a no dq match i like that i like that in theory um i think that could make you know give them a little bit more time to work and you know have the have the iconics actually stand their ground a little bit yeah but uh, because they both those women can actually wrestle so mm, this could go somewhere just right now it's not it's not flipping my wig stale af um we also had apollo cruz and andrade cian almas in a quickly thrown together match because they exchanged words during the town hall uh, and Andrade ate a quick pin. Apollo, he was beating the crap out of Apollo, and Apollo snuck a roll-up in and got the win. Is this just a holding pattern for, on, pattern for Andrade where he's going to come back next week and wipe the floor with Apollo uh, on his way to bigger and better things, or do you think they're actually going to start pull, pushing Apollo here? Uh, mm, I don't know. Let's talk about that a little bit later. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I see what side your bread is buttered on, sir. Yeah. Fine, so let's let's move on and talk about the fat Shinsuke Nakamura. Says he's going to rain chaos down on everyone now that he's the champ. And Ali is just standing there looking at him all slyly. Looks like Shinsuke will be feuding with Ali. I'm not mad at that at all. Let's interesting. Go. Me neither. I think it's a much better idea than The Miz, Nick, uh, and then I, finally I on SmackDown, you heard me. Finally on SmackDown Live, R Truth was hiding in a washing machine or a dishwasher, I guess. And Carmella had to break him out of it. And then she said, I have the perfect idea. We're going to go 
hide in San Diego at Comic-Con in costumes. Right. 24-7 championship at Comic-Con. Wait, can can I so can I go yes. get a, can I go get a ref and run down to San Diego and pin yes. our truth and become the twenty four seven champion? Is that the you idea? You can't. You can't because you live in Carolina, uh, and I can because I live an hour and a half away from San Diego. Do you guys know how I many know, miles I fly a week? And you I and, can make and it to I San Diego. Also, okay, <laughs> how are you going to get into Comic Con? Uh, tech creds, yo. Oh, d- all right, all right. I see how it is. Oh. Don't make me I, don't I, make me pull out the big guns. I I too know people. <laughs> Howell, I can, I too could be at San Diego Comic Con. Somebody's become running 20, all of that tech gear down there. Become the twenty four seven champ. It could happen. I may or happen. may not know the uh, the the uh, reseller partner that did all the installs for Comic Con in this, San Diego. Oh, oh <laughs> look at you pulling the big yeah. names. Well, next week when you guys hear and your new twenty four seven champion Sir Ian Dangers at the top of the show, you'll know why because it was announced right here. Right. But that being said, Nick, uh, enough of this chicanery. Let's move on and talk about the wide world of wrestling. Okay. I just I want everybody to just take a deep breath for a second. This this is there's so much damn wrestling happening this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I had to travel this week. I had to catch up on Evolve and the G1 and watch NXT and 205 Live, and just, God almighty, there's so much stuff going on. But as we always do, we're going to kick things off right here with NXT. Yes. Uh, We had a very interesting match to open up NXT this week. Matt Riddle facing off against Arturo Ruas. And what can only be described as sort of an Olympic jiu-jitsu match? Like, I I don't... What was it was this? fascinating. Uh, it was well. What was great about it was obviously both these guys are high level MMA technicians, and they worked essentially like a crossover match where it it felt like a hybrid between an MMA style shoot fest, yeah, and a, a pro wrestling match. It was great. I okay. loved it. I thought it was nice and it was fresh. I ha- we haven't really seen a whole lot of things like this because a lot of people can't do this. Um, even down to them reacting to each other like you would in an actual fight. You know, Riddle gets uh, like how uh, sorry, I still want to call him Adrian Howde. Uh, Arturo goes for a kick on Riddle, misses, and Riddle comes back and immediately taps him in the in the temple with a little kick, just barely taps him, and and Arturo just kind of goes, "All right, you got me." Kind of like kind of nods it off and like, "All right, all right, yeah, you got that one," and they go right back into it. This was good stuff. This was good stuff all around. And it's funny because the crowd had almost zero reaction to Ruas when he came out. But when it was over, they were like, that was awesome. This is what Riddle's good for, too, is that as much as, you know, he, he puts off a lot of people with the bro stuff and, the, you know, the, the, the surfer kind of vibe he has. Um, it's once he gets in the ring, it's just he's lights out, man. Yeah. Um, and both, both these guys, obviously Riddle more in, in the past, but Arturo right now in Evolve. You just, like this is kind of stuff is happening in Evolve a lot. So if you like this, go check out Evolve and check out some of the stuff these guys have done. We'll talk about Evolve I, in a second. Yeah, I've never been a huge MMA fan. I've never been a big USC fan. Respect for what they do, absolutely, but it's just not my cup of tea. Um, I get a little uncomfortable watching it. Oh. Full disclosure. Aww. Seriously, I don't want to see arms Aww. break and you know people's heads getting bashed in for reels. That's not my thing. Okay. I call me a wuss all you want, but I just oh I, I didn't I didn't say anything. Not my, not my it. thing. It's just you said it's it. kind of why sometimes New Japan can get right on that blurry edge of a little bit of uncomfortable. But yeah, 
We'll see. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, I enjoyed this. It was to change up. I was mostly scratching my head the whole time going, what am I watching? Okay, well, all right. Cool. What are we doing next? <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I was, I was very invested. But the real meat of this happened after the match, and that was when a masked and hooded figure attacked Matt Riddle, took off his mask, and it's Killian Dane. Killian Dane returns, and not only did he return and beat Matt Riddle from pillar to post all around the uh, the NXT arena, the, the full sale arena, he dragged him, pushed him, and shoved him up the ramp, and he got to the top, and he gave him a massive senton through the stairs at the straight top. To straight to hell. Straight to hell. There's that little like bit of plywood that covers the entrance, like where Kushida, where Kushida like enters yeah. from over there. Alistair Black used to come up through there. Uh, they had covered that with some plywood. And he threw Matt Riddle on there and just gave him a, a senton straight through it. And it did not look comfortable at all. No. And then he walked away. So Killian Dane versus Matt Riddle going forward. What do you think? Good stuff? Yep. Uh, sold in. I mean, all in. All in. Yep. All in. Bring it on. Uh, real quick, finally, uh, Killian Dane shirt watch. What? Was wearing a tool shirt. Oh, I ain't mad at that he was, ever. Was wearing a tool. Yeah. No wonder he laid 46 and two punches on Matt Riddle before kicking him through the floor. hey uh, the breakout tournament continued. This week we had uh, Dexter Loomis, Hello. who I haven't seen since TM- TNA when he was Sam Shaw, uh, versus Bronson Reed, formerly Jonah Rock. Last time I saw him, he was in a Haas match with Jeff Cobb in downtown Los Angeles. The very same day, the very same match uh, at, at PWG Three Mendes, we got our Jeff Cobb uh, bumper from. Yep, he was uh, he was all sweaty sitting on the side of the ring and uh, asked him how he was feeling. He said, "Well, I just spent." 15 minutes throwing an absolutely enormous man around, so I'm a little tired. <laughs> um, and as you can uh, now see, Bronson Reed is a big boy. I have yes. a question. Is, is Dexter Loomis the Demogorgon? <laughs> because, A, he has my attention. I love the look and the stares and all of that. But his, his entrance music sounds strangely it's familiar. Up stranger things. I was actually I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking that Dexter Loomis, he, he's kind of like Bennett from Commando. If he had a kid... With BJ Blaskowitz from Wolfenstein, and then that kid went and got lost in the Upside Down. Yeah. Like that's what that's what I got from Dexter Loomis. Um, I love it. What a weird gimmick. Is, is it too goony though? For no. uh, that's my question. No, I'm 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 just I was just mesmerized the whole time because he said nothing and he moved real methodically and slowly to that Stranger Things esque theme. Yeah. Uh, the Dust Brothers kind of theme. I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm in. You have my attention. What are you yeah. gonna do next? Well, and luckily, <laughs> what he did next was work a really freaking good match. Yeah. With, Him and Bronson uh, tore it down. I like this Bronson. match. Oh man. Can I and just say again was, how this breakout tournament? Like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. If, if this is four. what NXT's co- is, what's coming next? After the whole Gargano and Undisputed Era era, yeah, we, we got a good long roadmap here for NXT. Things are going to be fine. Yeah. Let, oh, the, let them all get called God. up. Things are going to be fine. Yep. I mean, Jesus Christ, that <laughs> splash that Bronson Reed put on Dexter Loomis to end this match. My God. Big boys should not be able to fly that high. That was terrifying. Yeah, I, I feel terrifying. sorry for Dexter Loomis's rib cage. I, Jesus What's Christ. left of it, I should say. He's, he looks he looks like uh, uh, Judge Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit after they <laughs> ran over him with a steamroller. Just, just <laughs> flat. Uh, yeah, another great match. Bronson Reed moves on. Loving it so far. Can't wait to see the next rounds. Uh, still think ACH is winning it. Kushida versus Apollo Crews also happened. Apollo Crews, I didn't stutter. Apollo Crews came back to NXT to have an absolute lights-out banger of a match. With Kushida, 
Um, and also got probably one of the biggest pops I've heard for anyone who's returned to Full Sail, except for maybe Bailey and Sasha. Prince like, Brady. He got a pop. It's it's interesting. We, you know, we we about a month or six weeks ago when uh, when Tyler Breeze made his return to NXT, uh, we we made a comment about how cool it was for main roster stars to come back, come back down. I'll do air quotes, even sure. though it's you know whatever that I don't want to imply anything there that one's minor leagues versus the other one, but. We all know how good NXT is. But for when these, this is like the second or third time we had Sasha and Bailey come back as the women's tag champs. Tyler Breeze came back. And this week, Apollo Crews came back, all of them to massive ovations. And I don't know whether it's just the loyalty of that NXT full sale fan base that's just so invested in all of these superstars and their, their comeuppances just to see them again. They're excited about that. Um, but man, yeah. And the other thing I want to say here is that how good is Kushida with large bases to work on? Like we saw what he did with Ono. Uh, what he did this week with Apollo Crews was absurd. Hold on. How good is Kushida? Period. Sure. Period. End of sentence. Like I, I, w- I was telling y'all, I was telling y'all <laughs> when he came to NXT, he's one of the best in the world. I, I did not lie. The man is the man is absolutely mythical. Yes. So yeah, I, I love this. I'd love to see more main roster guys who are big in NXT. And Apollo wasn't even in NXT that long, which I think is one of the reasons why he's been struggling on the main roster is they didn't really define his character enough. So I wouldn't be mad at him coming down and having a little bit of something happening, a la Prince Pretty, uh, Tyler Breeze, who we also saw this week uh, get into it with the Forgotten Sons. He was doing a photo shoot and then they got into his face, and he was very unfazed by your boy uh, Jackson. Nia Jackson Riker. Um, Hang on. And, uh, have, have yeah, we moved so on we could, from Apollo Crews already? Because I have one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, uh, no, go for it. <sighs> Top rope Spanish fly transitioned into an arm bar. <laughs> arm bar. That was ridiculous. I had to take a <laughs> selfie and post it to Instagram of my face going. <laughs> like, is that's what not even I like I didn't even know that that was possible, Kushida. But holy smokes. Anyway, I'm sorry to backtrack, but that just had to be mentioned. <laughs> so just, ridiculous. Whew, oh, my yeah. God. All this good yeah. stuff we're seeing on the G1, that had to be called out as just, yep, oh, absolutely. my God. That, that is up there with some of the best matches I've watched this week. And some of the matches I've watched this week are some of the best matches of the year, yeah. by the way. We'll get to those in a second. But first, we've got to talk about the end of the show, which was Adam Cole coming out to gloat about his championship and uh, say he was going to challenge somebody. And he challenged Tuan, the guy that Gargano was gave the gave the title belt to, to hold back at his old gym, uh, back in Johnny Gargano's hometown. So it looked like Adam Cole was going to humiliate Tuan, but Tuan had an ace up his sleeve. He said, "Oh, Adam, you came alone, huh?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't need anybody else to beat the crap out of you and Tuan." So that's interesting because I didn't come alone. And out of the back comes Johnny Gargano, yeah! beats, Adam, beats up Adam Cole all over the ring, and then puts him in the Gargano escape and. Taps him out in the middle of the ring. Yay! Yay, our hero's back. Um, Okay, so this the way this ended up was we've got now official Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole 3. We are getting the rubber match. Uh, It was announced after NXT went off the air. We're getting the rubber match. Nick, they released released the stipulation for this match. It's another best-of-three falls match, but this time... Adam Cole gets to pick to pick a stipulation, and Gargano gets to pick a stipulation for the first two falls. And if it goes to three falls, William Regal gets to pick the stipulation for the final fall. So basically, it's a three stages of hell match. Oh. <laughs> I did not hear this, number one. <laughs> I, 
Oh, you didn't? This is fresh I, news? This is fresh for me, so I'm, there you pro- go, I'm processing. You guys are seeing me process this live. Just, <laughs> wait, because I immediately went to the Hell of War match when you were describing that uh, in my head. I just went, wait, well, where have I seen that before? <gasps> I don't think we're getting that. No, I don't we're think not we're getting, getting that. that. No, dear God. Um, okay. With these two guys? Okay. Yep. I think they can yes. do this. And absolutely, we're going to have Regal come out with the... In the middle of the uh, match, after the second fall, each of them have survived the other one's stipulation, right? Uh, so yep. we're probably going to have, I don't know, we'll have some crazy shit. Anyway, not, we could speculate on that all day. That's going to be fantastic. It. Yeah, love what it. a My great question, way to have a SummerSlam takeover match, main event for the yeah. NXT Championship, be a three stages of hell match. I would love to sit on this, but we're going to have weeks to talk about this. Oh, yeah. We have tons of tells to get to, so we're going to move on. But my last quick question, just give, give me a, a one Name answer. Who is a better opponent for Johnny Gargano overall? Ciampa or Adam Cole? Adam Cole. Wow. Yep. And if we had said that last year, the feud of the year, Ciampa Gargano. If you would have told if I, you would have told either you or me that this year, seven months in, we'd be saying that Cole Gargano is a better feud than Ciampa Gargano, we told you you're a damn liar. Yep. Well, I think I still think Ciampa Gargano is a better feud. But Adam Cole is Oh, the story is amazing. You're not you're that's gonna be one of the all time great stories in all of WWE, that feud between Ciampa and Gargano. Period. But as far as two guys working an exhibition together that are similar size, that have a somewhat similar moveset and style. Yeah. Yeah. Gargano yeah. And, and uh and Cole all day. Yep. Kick out spam city and I don't even care. Yeah. Uh, false finishes all hashtag all the false finishes all of the false finishes it's okay i'll eat them like popcorn give them to me uh just a couple more quick things on nxt keith lee versus damian priest next week uh i I heard you were limitless i heard you were limitless (laughs) i've come for your soul uh and then also street profits called out undisputed era so it looks like we will be getting what we thought was going to happen undisputed era versus street profits at the next takeover uh, probably Street Profits dropping dropping the belt, moving up to the main roster. Yeah, but uh, and that's what Undisputed I'm Era gets draped in gold. We moving got three on weeks. Let's see what to, happens. Let's see. Let's see. I'm. I sounds good to me. Sounds yep. like fun. Two hundred five live this week. Quick mention. Uh, Mike Canellis had a great bit. And we were talking about this earlier, where the stuff he's doing on Raw right now with with Maria and everything is terrible. Th- this segment on Two Hundred Five Live with him and Drake Maverick and him yelling at Drake Maverick and Drake Maverick yelling back at him. Um was absolutely outstanding. Just It's a quick segment. Go watch it on YouTube. Out freaking standing. Mike Canellis is great on the mic. Drake is great on, on the mic. And they have great... Uh, this is a, just a fantastic moment. I feel um, somewhat redeemed. I've been trying to tell y'all about some Mike Bennett. Well, but he's... Not only that, but this is also Drake Maverick looking really good too. Like He's a mm-hmm. joke with the 24-7 championship. And Mike called that out. And Drake called out what a kind of a joke Mike is. And then they kind of got into it, and and at a certain point, like Drake had had enough and attacked Mike Bennett, uh, excuse me, Canellis. And it looks like, like Drake's not like he's not going to be a GM. He's going to actually have a feud, physical wrestling feud with Mike Canellis. I'm in, and because of this promo, this this bit right here, I'm interested now. Me too. Good stuff on Two Five Live. Also, another potential WWE match of the week. We had a rematch: Jack Gallagher and Chad Gable, part two. They gave him 18 minutes. And these guys tore the damn house down. Yeah. Tore the damn house down. 
good lord, just go watch the match. Yeah. Um, 205 Live was, was good. surprisingly very, very good this week. Yeah, I didn't even care. Chad Gable won in this match, as he should. I think he's going to be the next guy to challenge Drew Gulak. They're building him up. Mm. Um, oh, I like but, that. Yeah, me too. I, no, that's, oh my God. Gable and Gulak, forget about it. That's going to be mm-hmm. lights out. So 205 Live. No one's watching it, but it's still so good. When it's good, it's absolutely some of the best stuff in WWE. But we're done talking about WWE, Nick. Got to go across the pond. Is it time? Because it's time. <sighs> if you listen to the show, you know that we we watch some serious New Japan around this time of the year because the G1 is on, Nick, and we're oh. five episodes in. We've had four since the last time we've had a show. Four. By, by episodes, we mean pay-per-views. <laughs> we're Three five pay-per-views shows. in. We've had 12 hours, 12 of New Japan since the last time we had a show on top of everything else we had to do. Um, So we're going to have to just rock through this segment because we don't have time to go show by show, match by match. No. And I'll just say this. In A block right now, we have a tie at the top of A block. Kenta has six points. Okada has six points. What? Um, Yeah, Kenta and Okada, both at the top of A block. Following them up, Evil and Lance Archer, both with four points. And then a uh, whole bunch of two-pointers, Fale, Ibushi, Sonata, Osprey, and Tanahashi. Tanahashi! Tanahashi only has two points. And Zack Sabre Jr. has zero. <laughs> and that's amazing. A block is absolutely monstrous. Monstrous. Dear God. Uh, um, I want to repeat one thing real quick. Ibushi, Sonata, Osprey, and Tanahashi all with two points. It's anybody's two. game in It's still A-block. anybody's game. Anybody's it's Okada's. Game. Okada's winning the whole thing. I've just <laughs> at I'm this point, right, yeah, I'm kind of just he's resolved, winning like, the whatever. whole thing. Okada's going to run the whole thing and be the first guy since 2000. They're bringing up the stat too damn much on commentary. Yeah, the he's been, he'll be the only guy since like the 2000 to to win the whole G1 and choose his opponent at Wrestle Kingdom and possibly choose Naito and have Naito go on to become a, a double champ. I just saying. Um, but yeah, so unbelievable A block right now. Um, B block, we were, we're we're having another B block show tonight, so this is just after two shows. Yeah. Ishii, Moxley, and Robinson on top with four. Goto, Takagi, and Taichi, and Toruyano with two points apiece. Jeff Cobb, Naito, and Jay White all with zero. Mm. Holy smokes. This G1 is a bloodbath this year. Nick, I think if people haven't had their brackets busted yet, you didn't make a bracket. Uh, tomorrow we're getting Moxley versus Ishii. <gasps> uh, Juice Robinson versus Cobb. Naito versus Goto. Uh, Jay White versus Toroyano. And Shingo Takagi versus Taichi. So looking forward to that. Actually, t- tomorrow, tonight for me. Yeah. Um, what are your, of the matches you've seen? What has stood out for you? What have been like some matches people should go check out of the shows so far? Because it's a lot of stuff to watch. I mean, if we're including everything, going back to night one in Dallas, um, yes. absolutely have to see Osprey and Archer. You have, yes. You have to see a six-foot-eight man take a top-rope Spanish fly. It's, it's one of the most <laughs> impressive things I've ever seen. It's insane. It's um, insane. I think you have to see pretty much any match that Will Osprey's been in so far. Um, my, I think my favorite that I've watched since... Probably Zack Saber and Okada, if I'm, if yeah, I'm being completely honest, because that's a good the, one. And and you know just the way that Zack Saber ties three. people up into 
pretzels and shit that I've never. He had. What was the line, Kevin? You got to do the Kevin Kelly line. He's got him in three submissions at once. <laughs> he had him because he did. He Who else could you possibly be talking oh. about besides Zack Saber Jr. in that scenario? <laughs> what a, what a just a great call by Kevin Kelly there. Oh my god! Um, what about yeah. you? What, what have been some of your standouts so far? Well, you said that Osprey Archer was your favorite Osprey match so far because you didn't see Osprey versus Ibushi. I haven't watched that one yet. I'm I'm one night behind. L- literally, it's it's ju- for me. It's just below Osprey Takagi at the end of the Best of Super Juniors. Oh wow! Uh, as far as match of the year, it's uh, it's freaking unreal. It's way better than the one at Wrestle Kingdom. The, uh, Osprey. Missed night four, which would have just been tag matches anyway, with apparently a muscular injury. Yeah. His neck seized up or something. Uh, so he was back here. And, of course, as Will Ospreay does when he comes back for injury, he doesn't just do like a 15-minute match. He did a 27-minute banger against Ibushi where they both tried to kill each other, and he took multiple neck spots. Are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? Oh. Yeah, it's the, the elbows in this match, my God. Yeah, that's the match of the tournament so far. Ibushi, Osprey. Uh, I also loved uh, Osprey Archer. Archer has just been, he's showing up. Showing up, showing out, living his best life in this tournament. He made Fale, bad, his match with Bad Luck Fale. He had a good match with Fale. All right? And Fale doesn't have good matches. So, and, and then he just had a match uh, last night against Kenta, who Kenta, Kenta, by the way, his match with Tanahashi was fantastic from night three. Tanahashi Kento is great for the storyline as much as the wrestling. Yeah. Um, History between those but, two dudes is pretty epic. Or lack thereof, but just like kind of the the implied history with the, you know, it's kind of like uh, Flair Hogan back in the day. Sure. Right? Sure. Where two guys who've never met before from different companies, they're representatives. And so that was great stuff. And Tanahashi not shaking his hand after he beat him at the end of the match was a really, like, that was a crazy moment. Um, Kenta, Kenta Archer. First thing Archer says to Kenta is, you're not Kenta. You're effing Hideo. And he just slaps the taste. He's oh, you son of a bitch. And he slaps him. Uh, Archer's been having a great G1 so far, which I don't think anybody saw. He's just lighting stuff up. Um, I mean, we're spoiled for choice. Uh, Cobb Ishii was outstanding that as was a great. Haas match. Oh. As a Haas match. I know you liked that. I love that match. Uh, Moxley hasn't really had a good match so far, but he hasn't had a bad match. All of his stuff's been really entertaining. It's just him being angry and going out there and murdering people. Not uh, until Tori- tomorrow when he faces the stone pit bull. Oh, God. Moxley oh, God. Somebody uh-huh. might die. That's going to replace yeah. the Suzuki Ishii match as the somebody might die match. Yeah. All the blood just left my brain and went south. If yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so lots of good stuff so far. Even, even Toru Yano versus Naito was wildly entertaining, like a fun little comedy match. Yeah. So lots of good stuff so far. So far, this G1 has been fantastic. Is there anything that has like jumped out as a surprise to you so far? Like, whoa, couldn't believe that happened. Yeah, so until I saw your note today, I had in, almost intentionally, you know, like but but, you know, unconsciously not gone through and done the tally yet. I hadn't I hadn't added up my points on my bracket. And I looked at uh, I looked at the note today and saw that underneath Kenta and Okada who are tied for first in A block, Lance yep. Archer is right four. there with four, four. points and I'm going <laughs> What, what the actual <laughs> hell is happening in the new, in new Japan where Lance Archer is basically in second place? But he should be. Like with the way yes. he's showing up with his character, with the with the everybody dies claw, like I'm loving it. He's absolutely the break so far, he is the breakout star, the unsuspect like the one that no one saw coming. 
of this G1. There's people that people like were hoping would be good, like Kenta. People that are always solid, like Sonata and Evil. Sonata and and Zack Saber had a had a great match to open it up as well. So there's people that you would uh, Osprey, people you expect to do well. Shingo Takagi's looking really good, that sort of thing. But there were people that no one expected anything out of. That they didn't. They were like, eh, he's just there as filler. And Lance Archer was probably top of that list. Yeah, he's he is freaked out everybody. There's there's one other one I want to call out, and I I thought it was going to be a joke, but it might be the most entertaining match so far. Something that is typically pretty light in New Japan is the sports entertainment aspect of of our sport. The Toru Yanu versus Naito yeah. match. Yeah, the one I just mentioned that a second ago. That I'm might totally be agree. the most fun I've had watching a wrestling match this year. That was Tor- the, pulling the shirts over their head, hockey style. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, just uh, Naito using Toru Yanu's gimmick of taking the the turnbuckle yeah. pads off. That whole well, sequence was fantastic. And it was such a typical Toru Yano match, but it was the way that Naito engaged with him, the way that Naito's character played off. Went along with uh, Yano's character. Yeah, he was like, I know what's going to happen now. And Yano's just, just that much better at that character. He's like, I've invented this, dude. But Naito going along with that gimmickry is kind of like what, what uh, Omega did two years ago at the G1 in his match at Toriano, where he's like, is this the kind of match we're going to do? Because I'll play. Cool. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. I, I, I can't, I'm not going to try and wrestle you because I know what you are. So, yeah. Now, every time that someone reacts that way to Toriano's character, it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to having some more of that. So uh, Definitely looking forward so to um, uh, Shingo Takagi and Tai Chi. That's probably the one I'm looking forward to coming up along really? with Pitbull and Moxley. I want to see what happens with Takagi. I'm kind of invested in Shingo Takagi at this point after the best of Super Juniors uh, and his, yeah. his transition into the heavyweights. I really want to see what, he, what they do with him. Yeah, I agree, and I'm, I'm loving what I see out of him so far. Um, his match with Juice Robinson was fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, that was on night two. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we get out of Takagi as well, but, uh, yeah, lots more to come with the G1. I'm super excited for it. I'm loving it. Um, one quick thing on new Japan before we move on, uh, apparently Chris Charlton, what was, who is their translator along with Kevin Kelly and, uh, Rocky Romero is the, who are by the way, doing great commentary, fantastic commentary, but apparently Chris Charlton was told by new Japan to keep quiet because they didn't like his voice or his style. And, uh, it was reported that he was told to pipe down, but then because of fan backlash, they're now walking that back and saying, never mind, you can go ahead and talk, which I think is the smart thing to do because that guy is an absolute encyclopedia of New Japan history and having him pipe up with historical information and the history of matches and feuds and so forth is priceless. And as much as, as, as smart as Kevin Kelly is and as much history as he and Rocky know, Charlton blows him out of the water. Right. So I'm, I'm so glad they walked that back. So glad. I, I have no real thoughts on that. I wasn't really even sure what you were referring to. But <laughs> well, <laughs> like I said, honest. it was a little controversy. And I think a lot of the, the controversial nature of it was drummed up by Wrestling Observer. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Kelly was trying to blow it off online, but still interesting to note. And, I, and I'm glad that they'll be having more coming out of, of Charlton going forward. Yeah. So. Well, hey, to uh, get things closing out here a little bit, we got a couple more things to uh, to go over. Uh, oh, yeah. We haven't talked about that whole uh, pff, AEW thing. That They had their third event. Ooh. A- AEW. 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 I've never had, heard of them. Aren't, right. aren't they a t-shirt company? Yeah, exactly. Isn't it a couple of guys with like some uh, crazy leggings and doing super kicks all the time? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. No, they had a whole pay-per-view, Nick. They had a whole free pay-per-view. We got to talk about, oh my God, there's so much. 
Fight for the Fallen happened this last week. It was a free show. Uh, they did also. They had a free er pre-show where you didn't have to sign up for for Bleacher Report Live uh, to get the actual show. Uh, so we'll start with that. We did some pickums for the show too, and I, I'm just going to spoil it right now by saying we tied again. Duh, Nick. Of course we did. We tied. Of course we did. Uh, but the pre-show, Sunny Kiss defeated Peter Avalon, who's the male librarian. Sunny Kiss is awesome. The librarian gimmick is awful. That's yep. all I have to say about this. Sunny Kiss coming uh, out with the the Jacksonville Jaguars mascot and cheerleaders. What an shameless. entrance! Yes, Sunny Kiss <laughs> should and will be a star. I also want to say here, by the way, uh, this was in Jacksonville. Uh, apparently, the cons have never thrown a wrestling event out uh, before because they did it outside in an amphitheater in oh. Jacksonville in July. Yeah. Um, you should know better than that by now, Con yeah. family. You've had a fan- franchise team there since 1995. Where they play outside. But right. they, you know, <laughs> WrestleMania, even when they had WrestleMania down there, it was in what, like late March. Yeah. So it's not even as bad as July. Good Lord. They said so that the, uh, the heat index, the, the actual ambient temperature in the ring was about 110 degrees. Uh, so basically, Super Showdown. Basically, yeah. Super, sh- or, super or, you know, Shit Showdown. Or was it Crown, yeah. Crown Jewel, whatever it was. Whatever the last thing over in Saudi Arabia was. Super Shit Show. Basically, basically that. Yep. Uh, then they had Dr. Britt Baker and Riho lost to Bia Priestley and Shoko Nakajima. Bia making her AEW debut and possibly concussing Britt Baker with an errant kick, uh, which is why Britt Baker at one point was, was completely out of it and tried to tag out on the wrong corner in this match. Oof. This got messy. Um, was kind of shocked that uh, Britain Riho dropped it to Bia, but I get, I guess that that says that says what they think about Bia Priestley because yeah. I think that she is a potential star, even though a lot of people think that she's uh, a little messy. Yeah. So we'll see, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Will Osprey, mm-hmm. or Miss Miss Ms. Will Osprey. Uh, then also in the pre-show, a random six-man tag match, a bunch of people thrown together: Sean Spears, MJF, and Sammy Guevara. It was a weird team. Uh, beat Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, and Darby Allen. We actually called this because they're trying to build up Sean Spears to face Cody. So not only did he get the, the, the pin on Darby Allen, who was left all alone, he also had some beef with MJF. He was just pissing everybody off. Um, but the big news here, Nick, is that not only did Sean Spears win this match for his team, but after the show it was announced that his new manager is none other than the man who just signed a multi-year deal with AEW, Tully Blanchard. Sean Spears managed by Tully Blanchard going forward into a feud with Cody Rhodes. Given the history that the Blanchards and the Rhodes have, that's delicious. That is delicious. Ian, I'm uh, I'm prepared to make a call uh, at this time. Are you? Are you? Are you now? <clears throat> I think I think I know where you're going with this. Tessa Blanchard to AEW. Tessa Blanchard to AEW. Tessa Blanchard AEW. You heard it here first. Like, really first, because it may be a couple of years before she's out of her Impact uh, contract. Yeah, she's Mrs. Impact right now. I, but she could be the Charlotte of AEW. She's such a, a huge presence and a big star. She could absolutely come over, and you'd have a Blanchard and a Flair as the top women of each of, the, of these major companies. That would be fantastic. I mean, she's already kind of the, the Charlotte of, of Impact, but we're being fair yeah. here. But, but you know, everyone just wants to put AEW and WWE against each other. So yeah, there you go. That's what we're doing. Um. So yeah. Anyway, interesting stuff there. Looking forward to seeing what uh, what Mr. Sly Tully Brant Tully Blanchard I enjoyed this six man match. By the way, this was a lot of fun. Oh, come on, with these workers, how could you not? This was how a blast. And what <laughs> a way to kick off the show is uh, to pull the curtain on the main show. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh God, this had everybody. Lit. I can't imagine how freaking hot it was with six of them in there, though. Good lord. 
That's a lot of hot meat. That's a lot of beef. Wait a second. Wait, speaking of a lot of beef, Brandy Rhodes versus Allie next, but it wasn't just Brandy and Allie because Brandy bought, brought along her new awesome buddy. Awesome Kong. Awesome Kong is running. Uh, she's basically going to be the enforcer for Brandy going forward, it looks like. Okay. Which I'm, all right, cool. Uh, makes Brandy more of a heel. But uh, after this match, Awesome Kong got stared down by Asia Kong. Yes. Give me that. I what would you call this match? It's not it's not a Haas match. It's a uh, what I don't know what to call it. I feel uncomfortable trying to call that anything <laughs> at this point. <laughs> oh no. Uh yeah, no, I'm I'm loving this going forward. I, I think Ali should have lost here. You know, I, I don't I don't mind having this kind of heel tactic going on. Cool. I'm yeah. more I'm way more interested in Asia versus Awesome Kong than in anything to do with Ali or Brandy Rhodes. Like, give me that. That sounds awesome. Um, we also had the Dark Order showing up uh, versus Jack Evans and Angelico versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, two big things here. One, I'm going to ask your opinion on the Luchasaurus-Jungle Boy team and how that's looking with Luchasaurus looking like he's like the most overdue in AEW. And what did you think of your first look at the Dark, like the, the new look of the Dark Order? I dig it. I like it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just, no pun intended, all in. I, I, this is, uh, we both picked the Dark Order to win here, I believe, right? No, they, they need to look strong. Oh, They're yeah. going to be the scary guys in the tag division. So, good stuff. And Lots Luchasaurus. of fun from Luchasaurus just hucking Jungle yeah. Boy out of the ring onto a bunch of dudes. I, yes, yeah. keep giving me that all day. That's good stuff. There's a lot of stuff they can do with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I'm so glad they made him a tag team. That It, it, it just works so well, man. Yeah. It's peanut butter and chocolate. Fantastic. It, it's as uh, good Adam, as Finn Balor riding in Bad Luck Fale to the ring. Totally. You know? It definitely has that feel. Yeah. Uh, just becoming a little guy on a big guy's shoulders. How could it not? He, Adam he has Page, a master's he, degree, you know. He, so I've heard. <laughs> uh, Adam Page versus Kip Sabian. Uh, Adam Page picked up the win here. No surprise there. Pretty fun match. Jericho attacked Adam Page after the match to build their feud going forward. Um, but it was a pretty entertaining match. Adam Page can work a match, so yes, he can. Uh, that was g- good stuff. We had gave him uh, a nice Frankie- shiner too, by the way. Oh yeah, he did. I mean, dude, Adam Page came out later in the show after the Jericho attack. Jericho had a a promo later in the show. Adam Page came out. He looked like he was messed up. Yeah, <laughs> bloody and bruised. He looked messed up. They even put a good. video out uh, Road to All Out today, and it's he's still got stitches in his orbital yeah. socket and <laughs> all messed up. Yeah, good. he ate that good. code breaker hard way for sure. Yes, he did. Um, we also had SCU Kazarian and Scorpio Sky versus the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Junior and Phoenix. Um, I don't know. The, the the Lucha Boys picked up the win here. I wonder if that's just to make them look a little stronger before they have a ladder match against the Young Bucks at All Out. The, the thing the thing to talk for. about here is not the match with Scorpio Sky and and Frankie Kazarian. It's the promo that Ray Phoenix and and Pentagon had after the match. Yes. Cli- standing atop a ladder, challenging the Young Bucks to a ladder match. Mm. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, please. Please give me that all day long. Bring it on. Can't wait for it. Um, one of the matches I was kind of, I didn't see it coming. Kenny Omega versus Shima. Like 28-minute match. Long match. Really good match. Yeah, it was. Really good match. Just, uh, it probably just the felt match like a night. really good 30-minute New Japan match. It was yep. everything I wanted in this match and more. Very much, very much Kenny's style. Yeah. That's for sure. And, and Shima did pull up, held up his end of the bargain. Uh, match of the night for me. Uh, although I did like Young Bucks versus Cody and Dustin Rhodes. It was just, that was just more kind of a storyline match. If you haven't watched Road to All Out yet on YouTube, um, the first video went up today. 
Uh, they showed a slow motion breakdown of like most of the matches that happened at Fight for the Fallen, and they showed some of the highlights of Kenny chopping Shima's chest and his uh, entire body, including his face, just rippling. Yeah, <laughs> that's how hard that was, they were hitting each other. Like, yes, not pulling anything. These guys were going at it. It's so funny. I'm so immune to chops right now with the G1 going yeah. on, and you know Ishi and Shingo Takagi and and Osprey and and, and Ibushi all in there just caving in chests on a nightly basis <laughs> like i'm just kind of like yeah and watching nxt uk and walter's over there just caving in dudes chest right and left so i'm yeah i i, I probably should have paid more attention more attention to those chops you're absolutely right um so at the end of the day young bucks beat cody and dustin not too surprising i'm surprised that nothing happened story story wise between cody and dustin after the end of this um we got to wrap this up because we got to move on what did you think about the show overall? Like another B level pay per view, like as a charity event. What did you think? What did you think of the show? The ending was a little weird. They came out with a fake check that you know one hundred fifty thousand dollars to victims of the shootings there in Jacksonville. Great effort. I love that. I don't know what the whole it was. This weird thing where he said boing instead of bang, and I get well, why. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't it was wanna, just he didn't, the whole thing at the end was awkward. Well, it was weird, but it made sense. I mean, Kenny Omega didn't want to do his. You know, so long and good night, bang, firing a gun, uh, you know, making a firing a gun image at a show where they were trying to support people who for, died from gun violence. That would obviously be in bad taste, so he changed it for that. I thought Boeing was a little bit silly of a way to do it, but I get what the, he was going for. Uh, I also thought it was interesting that they called out WWE for running Evolve against them and saying that it was in bad taste to run a big event against uh, a charity event for murder victims. So I don't know how much of that is just being a little bit um, little SJW on their, on their, on their parts, but I get why they're frustrated by it. I'm just shooting on WWE. I didn't take it that way. Yeah. Oh, so you took it more as them just kind of like stirring the pot. A yeah. Little bit. Just giving them a little bit, little finger, little, you know, just sticking mm. it to them a little bit, you know? All right. I could see that. Rubbing their that nose in said, it, so Nick, to speak. We got to talk about Evolve real quick. I'm just yep. going to give a quick rundown of it. You had uh, Josh Briggs defeating Anthony Green, Stephen Wolf defeating Kurt Stallion, Sean Maluda, and Harlem Bravado. Uh, you had Arturo Ruas, who we just talked about in NXT. He had a match against Anthony Henry that was quite good. Um, Brandy Lauren beat Shotzi Blackheart in an absolute spot fest. Um, that's one to check out. Oh, yeah. Uh, one not to check. Baba Tunde versus Colby Carino. Don't watch that one. Um, but AR Fox and Leon Ruff beating Eddie Kingston and Joe Gacy to win the tag titles was a good match. Matt Riddle defeated Drew Gulak in my match of the night. My, one of my matches of the weekend. Yeah, that I was, was going to say that might be a match of the weekend. Well, and they're old catchpoint tag team partners. So it was a great, oh, from a yeah, storyline standpoint, that. it was great to see them go at it. Um, so the storyline was great with that. It's one of the reasons why Gulak was, um, was, I think, a little bit under the weather at Extreme Rules was this match. But that's <laughs> the match. If you watch one match from this show, it's Matt Riddle, Drew Gulak, for well, sure. As well as Shotzi Blackheart diving into a sea of chairs over the top rope. Good Lord. Monstrous. But that being said, Austin Theory and J.D. Drake had a banger of a match, too, and that was to unify the Evolve and WWN titles. Uh, Austin Theory won the WWN title from J.D. Drake, so now he, Austin Theory, is the unified Evolve WWN champion. That was also a really good match, and then you had Adam Cole versus Akira Tozawa, which was a very solid match. Not not like match of the weekend, but it's very solid, worth a look. So if you start from like like the tag match on to the end of the show, you're probably going to have a good time. Yeah. So, uh, very, very good show as well. We were spoiled for wrestling this weekend, Nick. Very That's good That's one times. way to put it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Good trying, Lord. Trying to do a show like this. 
<laughs> where we have to watch it all and re- do it all for you guys in a couple of hours. Uh, that was a cumulative about 20 hours of content that we uh, oh we just God. got through there. Good yeah. Lord. I, oh, it was crazy. And, and I had to go up and had to go to my niece and nephew's combined birthday party in the middle of it all. Good for <sighs> you, man. Well, hey, guys, that, uh, that does it for the main show. Now it's time for our listener questions. If you guys want to get in on this, head over to Patreon.com and sign up for that $5 tier. $5 a month, you can get in on every single week and get your question answered by Sir Ian Dangerous and myself right here on the show. Leading things off this week is Jacob. What has been your surprise favorite match storyline wrestler of the G1 so far? I'll let you go first here. Because I need to I think about this one. I think we already said it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little bit more thought specific, specifically for this question. Yeah. Um, I really like uh, as far as the match, I would have said uh, Ishii Cobb until Ibushi and Osprey happened. Yeah. Um, as much as I loved Kenta and Tanahashi, I thought that was kind of a dark horse one. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Osprey Ibushi for best match so far. Uh, storyline. I'm storyline. I'm just gonna have to instead of like getting real deep about it. Uh, Moxley and Shooter is my favorite storyline so far. Shota Umino and his relationship with Moxley is my favorite storyline so far in the G1. And there's a lot of great storylines going on in the G1, but but having <laughs> basically having Moxley murder a young lion in a match, and then that young lion is just kind of like attached to him and carrying his belt around, and he's calling him Shooter for some reason. Right, is just that's amazing to me. I love this. It's the kind of like little detail story stuff that I think proves Moxley right when it comes to his ideas being good ideas, and perhaps they weren't listened to by the WWE. Yeah. This is a great idea. It's obviously his idea. And it's fantastic. Yep. I love it. And as far as the, su- the surprise, uh, as we said, Lance Archer. Yeah, Where the hell Lance Archer? Lance Archer. Unbelievable. Um, Storyline for me, I'll call out the fact that we've got a lot of new juniors moving up into the heavyweights. I think we've got yeah. I think the, the storyline uh, of Osprey and uh, Shingo uh, and even Kenta alongside Shibata coming back. Uh, into into New Japan. Yes. All of that storyline stuff, right? You've got a lot of juniors coming up into the G1 this year, and I think that's a big deal. I loved the storyline, as I said, with Kenta and Tanahashi. I loved yeah. the fact that Shibata was, the, was you know ringside for Tanahashi when he won the G1 last year, and this year Shibata is back, but he's kind of got Kenta's back, and he's trying to stay neutral between the two of them. And the two of them obviously don't like each other because their history being like the main guys in two right. competing companies. So yeah, that storyline's great too. I'm wondering where Shibata plays into this whole thing by the time we get to the end, and I'm wondering if there's a little more there. I wonder if this is going to be a well in a Gato kind of way. I, I guess not is even what I'm G1. Looking. Well, that's the thing. Gato he yeah. books long term. This could be a very long term storyline with the relationship between Kenta Tanahashi and Shibata. So. Yeah. Love that. Uh, favorite uh, surprise for me, obviously, Lance Archer. That's I think that's surprising yeah. the hell out of everybody. Um, favorite match, I, I, because I haven't watched Night 4 yet, I believe it is, the one with Osprey and Ibushi. That's probably going to be my favorite match up to this point once I watch it. Uh, but oh, I yeah. think I'm going to go back to Osprey <laughs> well, and Archer but just because of the impact that it had. Like That was probably the biggest holy shit moment I've had so far yeah. was seeing the those first- two guys go at it. The first non-tag match, the first the first match of the actual G1 blocks, very first match of the whole thing, and you and blew I both all, blew us all away. <laughs> we were texting each other like, 
what the hell, dude? Where did the where well, did Archer's this come just from? supposed to be a goon? Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> I thought Os- Osprey beat him early in the year in the New Japan Cup. I thought Osprey was going to make work of him again. No, yeah. no. I, I want to get Ugh. to the I want to get to the back nine, the back half of this of this tournament because I can only imagine some of the matches we're going to have in the in the quarter and, and well, finals and, and everything. Importance. That's the other thing that's great about the G one is the importance of these matches becomes more than just storyline in the second half because then it becomes about people needing to win matches for points. And so shit gets I'm ready to start doing the, the theory of the crafting G1. of who can still oh. make it and all of the oh. upsets and like we had last year with Evil upsetting Jay White's triumphant run in yes. the G1. Uh, oh, uh, it blew the whole G1 away for me. So I don't know. It's it's going to be I a like, good time. I like that we've already settled the whole Evil Sonata thing. Evil beat Sonata last night. Fine. They seemed fine after. Yeah, cool. Let that go. Like we had some whole crazy theory stuff when we were doing our G one preview. Yeah, I said that was one of the things to look out for with um, Lij. So I, you yeah, know, we'll see. We're already done with that. No, moving on to something else. Yeah, great, great question, Jacob. That's that's almost a whole. Well, you'll hear a lot about that when we get to the uh, the wrap up <laughs> bonus episode after the G one sometime in August Jesus. when we get around to that. Yes. Uh, thank you for the question, Eric. Next up, are we seeing the end of Evil and Sonata as a team during the G One? <laughs> Great softball. There you go. There we go. Uh, also, why do they use the blue ice bags at the end of every New Japan match? I've often wondered uh, this myself. The little water bottles they put on their necks. Yeah, right? the 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 hot the the anti swelling ones. Um, just a little like nod to it to you know shoot sports yeah. and just icing or heat bagging them after the match. Um, you know the same same way that they have like the beer on the table in the in the interview room. It's not really. It's just there to, for look and make it look and feel like an actual sporting event. Yeah. Um. Just play into the kayfabe that they're injured right now. So I I love those things. I think it, it's an, it's it's detail work. A little and bit the of detail. Young lions in there just trying to help them get up and get out and everything. And it's awesome. It's having part the of young it. lions, having the young lions, kind of like pointing the way, um, as they're leaving. Like I love stuff like that. By the way, Carl Fredericks, the the two LA Dojo dudes. Who are out there tagging? Wow! All of actually, all of the young lions, by the way, have been showing up in those tag matches. The tag matches this year, by the way, are almost as much watch as the as the the G one itself. I'll throw that out there real quick. I've been quick. skipping them. Really? Okay, I need to go back. You're missing out. You're missing out on some young lions showing up and showing out, and some great storyline development in the tag matches. There's actually been some show, a night three, I think, in particular. Had some absolutely lights out tag matches. Good deal. So worth worth looking at. Definitely look at um, those. But as far as Evil and Sonata, I think they I think they just buried the hatchet. Frankly, um, unless they've they've got some sort of thing planned down the road. The fact yeah. that they had them squash their beef so early. I'm not ruling out Gato doing more with that. Honestly, true. It could be a, a double swerve. But I think that they're you know we're going to have them. Speaking of tag matches, uh, they, they, they'll probably be working together in tag matches going forward. They just wanted to clear the air with them so they could actually continue to tag going forward. Yeah. Awesome question, Eric. Thank you very much. Uh, next up, we had Rule. Uh, AEW will have its first title match between Jericho and Hangman Page, but to me, the build-up to this is pretty bland at the moment, especially on the side of Hangman. He won his opportunity in a mediocre battle royal and has had two forgettable matches versus mediocre opponents. When he shows up in being the elite, he comes over as a big goof to me. How can AEW build this match up to the level it deserves? Oh, rule. Oh, it's man. It's a very rhetorical Shoot, question. So. Shooting from the hip. Yep. Hot takes. That being said, you know, it's funny. He's hitting on a lot of issues that I'm having currently with their product. One of them being that being the elite and, you know, some of the road twos um, are a little bit 
goofy and ironic and stuff like that. I, I think they almost killed the uh, uh, the villain character with, with Marty Skrull with some of the goofy shit they had him doing on uh, being the elite. Um, and Hangman Page is kind of falling victim to that a little bit too, where they want us to take him seriously as a babyface potential champion, and he's coming across as a little bit bland. Um, they don't the that's the problem with like a a, a top babyface is that it's really easy to be bland, and unless you have some exciting angles. And I thought it was a good idea to have him bloodied and bruised at the end of the last big show. Yeah. I don't know if they covered enough ground that they've lost at this point. I think it's fairly clear that Jericho not only is the more interesting character, but that he's probably going to win that match and be their first champ. And he should be Yeah. at this point because Hangman rules right. He's just not interesting enough at this point for him to be champ. And I think that what they're doing is half successfully propping him up as being enough of a challenge to Jericho that he can be in this match with him but also not be so much so that he, you know, when Jericho beats him, he can't go then restructure and become more interesting. Right. Um, Do you think, Je- have, it, you, have you made your pick yet as far as is Hangman winning this or is Jericho oh, going to no, be the I'm first one? 100% convinced that Jericho is going to be the first Me champ. Too. Hangman's losing this. 100% convinced. Me too. And, and partially because of the things that Rule is saying here. Yeah. Um, where they, it's not, it's why I jokingly refer to him as the Roman Reigns of AEW. It's it's not apples for apples by any stretch. Um, this kind of extended forced push for Hangman, um, you know, the obvious kind of like insider nature of him when it comes to the Young Bucks. Um, there's parallels to be drawn, but please understand that I'm being I'm joking when I say that. But that on some levels, the the parallels are apparent, and it's actually kind of hamstringing. Uh, the way that Hangman's being presented and the way that people are going to re- react and respond to him. Yeah. No, so. I agree. I agree with all that. Uh, thank you very much, Rule. Uh, next up, Andy. He, he prefaces this by saying a rant. Okay, here we go. There were seven matches on SmackDown Live, and only two of them were planned. The other five were made on screen at various points in the show. Was the original plan to have the Kabuki Warriors versus the Iconics for two hours? Oh, dear God. I know they lean on this booking trope regularly, but this week, it's just ridiculous. Andy, I'm going to speak directly to you right now. Uh-oh. I'm coming at you through this recording device. Something called logic. That's something that WWE does not have. Logic. Stop using it, son. It's just going to hurt you. It's just going to end in tears. Just leave logic behind you. It's something that I try to do every time we review Raw and SmackDown, and I get that little thing saying, you know, logically, this could happen. It just will end in tears. Yes. Tears for you and for everyone else who tries to use logic when it comes to these shows. I, I mean, you could, okay, that being said, I'm going to walk it back. You could William Regal this and say, well, they schedule a few matches for the show, but they leave open slots because they know that doing, due to the friction that you have in this kind of alpha male and alpha female environment, that at some point you're going to have these things arise where they need to be settled in the ring and you want to make time for those. Uh, and as a result, they, they leave open spots for matches to be booked on the fly as uh, the situation requires. As you saw, Shane at the top of the show saw multiple opportunities where he could make matches from friction that was happening between his superstars. And as a good general manager slash owner, he did exactly that. I don't even know where I'm going with this. Uh, just working, uh, yeah. working yourself into a shoot. <laughs> brother, brother. <laughs> Thank you very much, Andy. Next up, Will. 
with reports surfacing that Finn has requested, quote, a couple of months to reset, do we then see the Fiend squash Man-Finn, or do mm. they have him go over the demon? Also, mm-hmm. do you read any further into Finn requesting time off because I feel he's been booked well recently and wouldn't think he's been trying to pull a Sasha? I, to answer the second part first, I don't think I, I don't read anything into it other than, no. it, like I said earlier, it might be uh, the fiance thing. He might go get married. Uh, he might be burned out. People ask for time off all the time. AJ asked for it recently. Um, it's not uncommon. And you know, you take a month or two off, and they give it to you, and you come back, and you know, I could see them. And and to that, if we do see a Bray Wyatt squash of Manfin at SummerSlam, that would make sense as opposed to you know, or they they could write him off right now. And I don't think anyone would blink too much because last time we saw him, he was being murdered by, you know, the fiend. Um, so no, I don't read anything into it. And I, I, I would like them to send him off by squashing Manfin. I don't think you should rush the fiend defeating the demon. If that's what your goal is. I think that's something that should be absolutely built and it should be a big moment. That being said, that's what I think. As I said to Andy, I'm trying to use logic when it comes to WWE it's just going to end in tears. So, fingers crossed that, yeah, at worst, Bray Wyatt squashes Manfin and sends him off. And then we get a little break for Finn while he goes and does whatever he's doing. And the, the Fiend runs wild on Raw, beats up all kinds of other people. And we save, if we're going to do the Fiend uh, being the per- first guy to beat the demon, that happens down the road. We get a good, reasonable build for it. Yeah. Uh, I'll that being ask every- said, I'll, I'll, ask, said- I'll ask everybody to put their two tinfoil hats on with me real quick and just say, oh, uh, here we go. Uh, in before Prince Devitt returns to join the, the club with AJ Styles and the Good Brothers. That's not a tinfoil hat. That's a dunce cap, Nick. Oh, what well, are you that doing? Too. Fine. Come on. That makes no. <laughs> no. It would be fun. I not, not okay. I'll the second half. Fine. Finn going heel, joining the club. Maybe yeah. Prince Devitt. He's not going back to Prince Devitt. Put the paint That's on. Let's go. Joker. We'll see. Dubstep music. Well, <laughs> awesome. Come Thank out, you very much. Come out well, on the, you can join up with the, with the uh, Ascension and oh, not the Ascension, oh, yeah. um, the uh, AOP and come out on their shoulders like bad luck fella. I'm in something different than what he's been doing. You made me put on the tinfoil dunce cap, Nick. Come on. Move on. Last, but certainly uh, not. Thank you. Will. Good question. Uh, we could go on about that forever. And uh, I have in my, never mind. Esmeralda in the chat. Exactly. Hashtag Nick Theories. Yes. Hashtag yes. Nick Theories. It's its own YouTube like, channel. It needs to be. Oh, Jesus. Uh, the dark last, side speaking of, the of Esmeralda, last but certainly not least, uh, her, hey. her wonderful question. Uh, the Cody versus Dustin match crowd was very split. Uh, it didn't. So was Dustin's forehead. Uh, it didn't hinder the oh. match, though. Maybe uh, we have outgrown the traditional black hat and white hat good guy, bad guy shtick. I agree. Uh, as times change, the idea of good guy and bad guy isn't as cut and dry as it used to be in the 80s. Is the future of wrestling more gray, letting the audience decide who they want to cheer for? Hmm. Yes and no. And the reason for that is I think that um, that is definitely the philosophy of AEW. That's something that, that Cody and the Bucks and a lot of those guys over there have out, They've come out and said it. They come out and said that we don't believe in traditional heel face dynamics, although that can work from time to time. Look at Cody and Sean Spears. Yeah. Um, but you can have matches where that's not the case. We've seen a lot of that recently. You're looking up. You're looking at a lot of that in the G1, where they're not necessarily cut and dry good guy bad guys. 
Is Moxley a good guy or a bad guy? They work uh, heel face in the ring, and it changes from match to match. Yeah. But like a match like Evil and Sonata, they're, they're both, buddies. They're brothers. They're both good guys or bad guys depending on the night. Lij goes both ways. Wait a minute, that sounded wrong. Hang on. You know what I what mean? What show are we on? Hey now. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, that being said, we're an inclusive podcast. Everything is evil. Yes. Evil is everything. I don't know. Uh, just say, no, no. But here's the thing. I think that. In some situations, yes, more people are moving away from having that be the traditional thinking and just wanting to put on good matches. Uh, Apollo Crews and Kushida from NXT this week, for example. So I think that that's something that's also happening in WWE where they're allowing that to seep in a little bit. Um, so far, you know, it's looking like Bailey and Ember, no one's a good guy, no one's a bad guy. They're mostly good guys, it's kind of face-face. But they don't have to define it that way for this match. Um... Is Becky a good guy or a bad guy? Is Natalia? You know, it's not as completely gray as, as you said, the Cody Dustin match. Although I would argue that in that match, Cody worked heel. I would argue that as someone who's there live, I felt like Cody worked heel in that match. But the audience wanted both guys to win because we supported both guys. And that's something that's definitely becoming more of a modern trope as kayfabe goes away entirely. Because you understand that both of these people are performers, and and so it's harder for to get true proper heel heat. Yeah. Unless you're someone like MJF, but even then, look at us on this. Sh- like we never want MJF to win because he's such a good heel, but we love and appreciate the guy. And in the right kind of match, it'd be hard not to cheer for him true. because we like and appreciate him. True. So I think that's something, that's that's something with the these new dynamics that is going to be a challenge going forward. Um. Is tr- you know it's going to be harder to be a heel, a true heel. It's going to be harder to be a true babyface like Hangman, like Hangman Page is finding out right now. Yeah, but um, are, are there, we going to so share are, the match and the moves and the work that the guys in the and girls in the ring are doing, or yeah. are we do we are we picking sides? I think is the is the essence of the question. But I think that's that's kind of what I'm saying is I think that's going to be on a match to match basis. Yeah, you'll have some matches where it's Kenny Omega and Shima, and you can cheer you can cheer for who you like. You can cheer for them both depending on who's you know getting the offense in uh, and just you can just be there wanting a good match yeah. or you can have a you know a Sean Spears Cody match where you absolutely you want to see Sean Spears get his ass kicked that that dirty rotten scoundrel um, you know what I mean like you can still have it both ways it doesn't have to be one way or the other and I don't think the classic way is going away anytime soon um, but that being said I think that the fact that they're opening it up to the more of the possibilities of having these matches where you can, you know, root for both people at the same time is exciting because, you know, the more options you have, the more fun it can be. The, 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 it's a bigger buffet. That's true. Very, very yeah. true. Esme, thank you very much for the question. And thank you to all of our patrons for your support of the show and for your questions every single week. It means the world to us. And if you guys would like to get in on some of that action, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. Just the $5 minimum tier can get you access to ask us questions to be answered here on the show every single week. That's patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian, we're not done. We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, beep, oh, beep, 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 beep. Before I get into the lightning round news, I I oh. have to just said something in the in the in the in the chat that I'm just eyeballing on my phone over here that I have to address. Nick, we're going to get you a prop tinfoil hat. Yep, we're going live. We're 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 on the YouTubes. Yes, we're on the interwebs. People can see you when you're ready to do some of those hashtag Nick theories. You got to put on your your tinfoil hat over there. And I think that would be awesome. Yep. So 
Something to work on. As soon on. as I get this oh, new computer uh, fixed up so we don't do this video freezing thing anymore. Oh, that would work, too. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's see. Other news. We've got uh, Wrestling Observer reports the, uh, the company is opening a, uh, a talent. Uh, the WWE is opening a talent brand management department. The idea is to directly oversee all branding. This would include social media of talent on platforms both with WWE and outside WWE. Uh, they will work to establish a clear identity for the individuals and grow their brands both inside and outside of WWE, manage external agencies and parties representing WWE talent, establish ways to track growth of talent brands, establish rate cards for talent outside of WWE working, and establish new opportunities for talent. They are looking for a vice president and a director to head the division, but the heads of the department will report to Stephanie McMahon, who hasn't overseen an actual department since she left creative, end quote. Uh, I know I usually just run through the segment, Nick, but thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I'd like to do that job. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome know, that job. Sounds, that sounds miserable. Yeah. That sounds absolutely working, miserable Working to me. for Stephanie McMahon? No thanks. Um, they threw in a little snarky comment in there that I didn't, uh, I didn't actually say, and that was, uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're going to be uh, overseeing all the branding for talent, you know, like companies do with all of their independent contractors. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, we, we, we talked on a bonus episode about WWE controlling social media for their talent and what we think that they're doing as far as the talent branding. This is just speaking to that. They're going to have even more creative control over all of their talent. Be, it's gonna be, in my opinion, there's going to be more red tape for people to get through to control their, char- their characters and their, who they are, their personalities. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to stifle even more of their feeling natural. I think this is a terrible idea. Yeah. I understand why they want to do it as a business standpoint to try and what was know, I talking about on everything? the bonus episode for the patrons that got to hear it? Exactly. And, and we were talking about right. It's, it's exactly. It is a company wide effort. We do it at my company. There is a whole communications division of the company that is hundreds of people managing social media, YouTube accounts, all kinds of stuff. And there's it's all structured, and there's an editorial calendar, and everything gets shared, and yeah. everything has a schedule. So. Yeah, that's where that sounds like the path they're going down is good old corporate comms right there. Yep. It's they're trying to streamline things and all they're doing is adding other levels of stuff to get through. Other yep. other more red tape. So a terrible idea. Yep. We'll see. Uh, also a terrible idea, giving Jeff Hardy something to drink. He was arrested for public intoxication uh, over this last weekend. What? There he is was, nothing uh, to do in Myrtle Beach besides get drunk and get into trouble. Stop yeah, which going is what to he was- Concord and Myrtle Beach, Jeff. <laughs> Jesus. I guess I'm telling you, I'm speaking my- to you, Jeff Hardy, as a fellow Carolinian. There ain't Dude, shit else to do in Concord and Myrtle Beach. You get- just can't leave Jeff Hardy alone. <laughs> uh, he's, all the stuff he said on his special with Matt Hardy, and here he is. You go Gone. and leave him alone. And Useless. Next thing <laughs> that being said, we don't know exactly what happened. He was released on only a $200 bond, so it wasn't obviously that big of a deal. They've already The charges have already been let go, so it's, it's obviously not that big of a deal, whatever it was. But... Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just interesting that it happened. Like, Jeff, come on. Jeff, stop. Um, Harley Race. Harley Race has been hospitalized this last week. The reasons are still undisclosed, and he is still in the hospital. Apparently, they noticed something while he was on tour, and they put him in the hospital. He's been kind of ailing recently, so please, 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 thoughts and prayers to Harley Race or whatever you want to do for people that are, that are feeling sick and not, yep. not doing so good. So throw in some love. Harley Race's way, one of the greats of all time. Yes. Uh, Braun Strowman has signed for four more years in the WWE. They're trying to lock down other talent right now. Well, they locked down the big man. Um, he tweeted out something along the lines he might have gotten over a million dollars or more uh, per year going forward. So he is 
He's not mad at it. He was very happy to sign, apparently. Hell yes. And I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't blame him. He is definitely uh, one of the top guys. They're tr being treated like one of the top guys over there. So uh, pre prepare for lots more of getting these hands. Joey Janela, A-Kid, Jonathan, Jonathan Gresham, Artemis Spencer, Darby Allen, Mick Moretti, Orange Cassidy, Bandito, Caveman Ugg, Jake Atlas, Tony Deppen, Phoenix, and Lucky Kid currently are the people who have been announced for PWG's Battle of Los Angeles taking place early September. Uh, there will be more announced, but that is the roster so far for that tournament. Mm. Um, sounds good to me. Lots of talent right there. Oh, yeah. This might, this might be the year we see Phoenix pick up the win. Mm. I'm not saying... I'm just saying they might be holding back someone who might be a, a bigger contender. But right now, looking at that list, uh, lucky kids on a roll right now, too. I don't know. We'll see. Mickey James underwent a successful ACL surgery. We mentioned that she had a, a bum leg and she's going to be going into the hospital. She is out of the hospital now, but expects to be out until 2020, but does say she wants to come back. Uh, we said last week that Brian Cage had an absolutely bonkers bachelor party at Bar Wrestling. Well, this week, it's official. Brian Cage married former ring announcer for Lucha Underground and current ring announcer for Impact, Melissa Santos, and baby mama to, to little Wolverine. Uh, they are finally officially married. So congratulations to big Brian Cage and Melissa Santos. Lovely couple, lovely people. Uh, CM Punk CM Punk will be at StarCast 3 during All Out. Let your theory crafting begin. <laughs> he will have a one-on-one -on -one interview. He will be there. Uh... Yeah, that's CM all I'm going to say. will be in the building at All Out. I'm just saying. I'm not saying anything else. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's the thing. The only way I could see him doing anything at All Out is if he came out in a mask as one of the Dark Order's goons. That seems to be what he wants to do these days. He could just, come out just and challenge throw, Jericho for the claim of best in the world? Throwing it out there. Uh, Shane is the best in the world, Nick. I, I don't know no, if you've heard. No, he's not. Uh, and finally, uh, we do know that at, at so far, if you're if you're wondering what happened with the whole Paul Heyman Bischoff taking over thing, and like who's doing what, as of right now, we know that Paul Heyman has had his fingers in the uh, storyline scripts and, and and production of Raw over the last few weeks. But uh, so far, Bischoff has not done a thing. In fact, his first official day on the job was today. Mm. He finally showed up in Stanford, Connecticut today, and he'll be taking over duties starting now. So the first day of the Bischoff era will be this coming week. That being said, from what is being reported, he's not really going to be in charge of creative that much, mostly going to be business stuff. So expect for Heyman to probably end up doing more of the creative on both brands and Bischoff to be doing more of the business for primarily SmackDown, but also Raw as well. So that is the news. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. And thank you to everybody for tuning in uh, this week on this episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast. There is so much wrestling yet to look forward to. This is going to be one packed, packed summer heading towards All Out, Summer Slam, the continuation of the G1 for the next oh God. four weeks. I'm, I'm going to have to actually like peel my ass off of the couch yep. after all this wrestling. Like get a shoehorn. And yeah. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Don't, don't ever say that again. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Swampy. But guys, uh, to, to get in on all of this fun action that we are doing all of this summer for all of the wrestling going around, come and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Send us a join request. We'll get you in there right away. You also want to make sure you're subscribed right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash 
busted wide open. Make sure you hit that little notification bell, and you'll get reminders as I schedule events for the next live streams. But every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, we will go live. And we also do uh, live episodes of our uh, pay-per-view recaps and stuff like that, such as the one we did earlier this week for Extreme Rules. So you make sure you get in on the YouTube channel. We got lots and lots of good stuff coming for that in the future. Uh, Lastly, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. And if you love our show and want to show your support, you can throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar right here on the show, uh, which thank you again, Esme Standing Bear, for your contribution this episode. Ah. Uh, And as well, you can um, go over to patreon.com slash BWO, sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers to be able to uh, ask listeners questions, copies of show notes, bonus episodes, sweet swag, all kinds of good stuff at patreon.com slash BWO. But I got to go watch some more uh, G1 in. Oh, God, so let's get out of here. My name's Nick Howell. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I got to go to work, pour people drinks for eight hours, (laughs) and then come back and watch more New Japan G1. Uh, oh, God. But I'm Nick Howell. Living. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.